Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. All right, what is up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the podcast, uh, this time with legendary Australian off-road racer Gemma Wilson. Uh, Gemma has done basically everything when it comes to the world uh, of enduro racing. She's represented Australia multiple times. She's been a part of uh, maybe some of Australia's most successful off-road teams at um, various international events. Uh, She has retired from professional racing now, uh, but is leading the charge uh, in women's I don't even know that you'd say like just off-road, just like women's motorcycling. Uh, she's a huge advocate uh, for bridging the gap that exists between um, men and women participation in uh, motorcycle racing. Uh, and yeah, I'm just a huge, huge fan of what she has going going on. Uh, we talked about it in the podcast, but recently she had 130 girls uh, at her women's only ride event in uh, Conondale. It was a really cool conversation. She's such, such a nice, nice person, super likable, uh, and she's got some amazing stories. So I enjoyed every minute uh, of the podcast with her, and I'm, yeah, super stoked that she come on. Uh, This episode is brought to you by our fam over at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au for everything you need for your motorcycle. Uh, I have put in uh, my order at MX Store for this weekend's Transmoto six hour. Uh, I've rode, <clears throat> excuse me, I've rode once since Dan the Dirt last year. So I feel like it's going to be a pretty rough six hours. Uh, but yeah, so if you need anything aftermarket for your motorcycle, you can head to mxstore.com.au. Follow them on Instagram as well at MX Store uh, for all of their dope range release videos. Uh, they just released the Thor one today, which I'm a massive fan of. Uh, this podcast is also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Uh, they are on board with all of our motocross content and for good reason, they make the dopest motocross graphics in the game. Uh, again, these dudes are hooking it up for the six hour. I've got that Gypsy Tales kit. If you head to rivalincdesignco.com, uh, you can actually purchase your very own Gypsy Tales replica kit. Uh, we're super excited to be working with these boys. Joel and Statsy are two of the coolest... Uh, dudes that you'll come across in this industry or any other industry for that matter uh so yeah massive thank you to those guys you can use the promo code gypsy gang uh and you get 15 percent off your order which makes a pretty massive uh difference when you're getting a full sticky kit and jersey prints and all that goodness uh also 
we uh, just want to let everybody know that if you head to at Gypsy Tales Podcast on Instagram, you will find a link in the bio to our new Fist Gloves collaboration, which we are super excited about. We sold a bunch of them the first day. Um, it was really, 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 really cool to see how many people were stoked on what we'd put together and wanted to support the podcast. We shipped them out yesterday and I'm excited to get photos of people wearing their new gloves um also as usual the usual sponsors of boost and nobby uh, you can head to boost mobile uh, boost.com.au and check out their insane phone plans uh sorry their insane prepaid mobile packages there is no plans plans don't exist with boost mobile uh and they've just announced their refurbed phone deals uh you can save up to like four hundred dollars uh, on the top of the line iPhones and Samsung phones uh, so check them out and also the legends at Nobby Underwear nobbyunderwear.com.au I will have a pair on through this torturous six hour race that I'm about to partake in on the weekend uh, yeah you can head to nobbyunderwear.com.au start your subscription for just $20 a month alright that's it with uh out any more of my uh fluey sick voice coming through your speakers uh i would just like to once again thank Gemma wilson for coming on the show uh and i hope you guys enjoy um so Gemma wilson welcome to the gypsy tales podcast how are you i'm very good and i'm very excited to be here i know this has been a, a good one i was talking to my um i was talking to my little brother today and I, he's like oh what are you doing and i was like oh i got Gemma wilson coming on and he was like bullshit so he was pumped that there would be somebody that is a super fast and very well accomplished female that is breaking up the monotony of dudes on this podcast so cool i'm (laughs) I'm glad it's me (laughs) i know i appreciate it it's awesome um so yeah you've got quite a lot going on at the moment so like so to give people a background you've been a professional uh enduro racer um for a very long time on the world scene doing australia proud and now you have transitioned away from racing but it's probably safe to say you're busier than ever now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I spent 15 years racing Australian championships and about 10 years racing world, like international 16 enduros and yeah. a privateer at the World Enduro Championships. And halfway through last year, so it's pretty much bang on 12 months since yeah. I um, retired from racing. And yeah, now I'm full-time coaching and running events, predominantly for women, just to try and create a space for women in what is still a very male dominated sport because i've loved it so much so i want others to love it as much as i have um and yeah my husband thought i would be less busy when i stopped racing but we don't really see each other anymore (laughs) yeah yeah does it even feel weird to say that you're retired uh no and it feels like it feels like years since i raced really this last year like it's i've only been married for a year as well and it feels like when i raced and when i got married was a lifetime ago like a decade ago already that's crazy yeah eh? yeah huh why do you reckon that is I just such a big change, I guess. Like I went from school to uni to racing world championships and bikes were everything and like my whole adult life really. It was how to be faster, how to be faster, how to be faster. And then all of a sudden it wasn't anymore. And it just was such a massive change. And then so much has happened since then. Like I've changed so much since then. My life has changed so much since then that it, it just it feels like it has to be longer than a year ago. But it's only a year. That's kind of interesting when uh, when you put it like that. 12 months in racing when you're doing the same thing that you've always done can go by like that and like you don't really change Mm -hmm. but if you go through like a big personal growth period 
12 months, like you can be a different person in 12 months. Yeah. As opposed to the year before, you can be the same as you were for like 15 years. Yeah, if I think about, you know, say the beginning of this year as opposed to the beginning of the year before, the beginning of the year before it was like thinking about the race season and just same, same, yeah, exactly the same thing, yeah. kind of racing the same sort of places, same people, same times of year. And then, you know, it's, it's all new now. So, it's, yeah, it's just such, such a big change. And I'm really glad that I made it. I'm also really glad I had all those years racing motorbikes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm really happy where I am at the moment. Yeah, it's um, there's, there's definitely got to be something that would be fulfilling um, with what you're doing now with, like, the coaching. And it, it's obviously, like, you see the growth in the people that you're coaching. But then on the other side of it, like, the flip side of it with the – the fact that you're helping other women get into it when like we talked when we met up a couple of weeks ago, like it, it was like, like almost like brutally hard to get into the sport as a woman, um, in, you know, like 15 years ago, like nowadays we're living in a time where like there's initiatives and people are like really putting stuff in place and there's like a, a push towards that stuff. But when you started, it's like, that wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. So when I started it, I didn't realize that it was tough cause it, I wanted to ride bikes and, you know, I was the only girl in the junior boys class and like it wasn't, it, I didn't care. It wasn't a thing. I never, it wasn't even on my radar that it was a thing. And Which probably helped. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't have been there otherwise really. Yeah. Uh, and then like 2006, I raced my first Australian four day enduro and that was the first year that there was a women's class. 2009, I raced my first international. So what year was that? 2006. Six, okay. Yeah. 2009, I raced my first international six day enduro in Portugal. And that was the first year that Australia sent a women's team. And then, um, 2000 and 11 Mick can fact check 12 two, no, sorry 2012 was my first like yeah world championships as a privateer like going over to the world enduro championships and doing my own kind of thing and like in 2011 when we raced Finsland that's what I was thinking 2011 yeah um the FIM come over and said hey we have a world enduro championships and we have a women's class and I didn't even know that that existed I didn't even know what that was and then I rocked up in 2012 and started racing it so yeah, that, that so, was like before social media was as big as it is too. Yeah, now, yeah. Right? Like now, yeah. I, I mean, feel I had like Facebook, you, but you know, it yeah, wasn't it's not it the same. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you're you're right. Like if you don't know, like what's gonna tell you that? Yeah. You know. So like for me, being a, a junior girl, like I wanted to try and win a you know the boys class or whatever it was, and there wasn't even an Australian championship for me really to aspire to. But now young girls coming through, they know that they can be picked for an international six day women's team. Like that's a goal that they can have, and they know they can go race world championships. And you know Jess Gardner and myself have both done it, or follow Taylor Jones and go race GNCCs, mm. um, and Mackenzie Tricker as well. So like there's it's been kind of paved, and so girls know where the trajectory can go. Whereas when we were doing it we were making it up as we went along so you, is there a party that's like super proud that you were able to be a part of like that paving away for people like and, and i mean it's like i don't these podcasts are hard because i'm asking you questions about like how good you are <laughs> you know what i mean but you know, so i know that there's a balance of you, you know you're a humble person but it it must feel good to know that you were a part of that yeah, so I would have to say that doing it, I never realised that that's what I was doing. Yeah. I was just doing it because that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but now looking back and, yeah, being away from racing and stuff, like absolutely, and I am proud. And I think actually a little bit in the middle, I kind of was a bit annoyed that it was myself and a couple other girls paving the way that I hadn't come in a few years later when maybe there was a little bit more money or, you know, a little bit more going on. I was like, oh, damn it, why did it have to be me? Yeah. <laughs> but, but now looking back because... It's, it's this funny thing and, I, and actually something I struggle a little bit with coaching because I, I want to coach people and I, if they want to race, I want to help them to win and, you know, I want 
I want racing to be to them what it was to me, but it's not that to me anymore. Yeah. Like racing's racing to me now and, and I'm so glad I did it, but I, I have to always remember and hold on to like that like fire in, that was inside me for all those years and all of a sudden it just went out. Um, yeah. But I have to remember what that was so that when people that I'm, I'm coaching or talking to in the industry or whatever it might be, when they're telling me that's what they want to do, then I need to be like, yeah, I understand it still. It must be hard to, to see people that like have really lofty expectations for themselves and then you know what it takes on your end and it's like I can look at it because I lived in America for eight years I know the pace I can look at a guy here and I'm like you're not just probably not going to happen but it's like it's hard because if everyone thought like that then you wouldn't have anybody go over but like I don't know is there a balance to because of the perspective you've got racing like is there a balance of like how you approach different people yeah I think if someone has like lofty expectations and they, they have big dreams it's like fantastic you got to have a goal but now what are the small goals to get there? And yeah. I think when if someone has a, a, a big dream, but they don't actually have any process of getting there in mind, then you're like, well, you're probably not going to make it. Yeah. Or we need to sit down and have a chat. Or you need to sit down and have a chat with someone. Uh, but if, yeah, you see someone who has great desire, but they also know how to work for it and, and know what all those little steps along the way are, then yeah. there's no reason why you can't yeah, make it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess too, like, it'd be hard to balance like the parent side of it as well. Yeah, well, I'm I'm pretty lucky. Like I don't – I shouldn't probably say that, but I don't do a lot of junior coaching really at this point. Like I spend three days every school holidays out at Queensland Motor Park. I just finished, so that's what you just yeah, done Yeah, just finished yeah, up yeah. today. And I always get the, the little group. So like I had a four-year-old was like the youngest in the group and probably like, you know, 10 or 11, the oldest. And the little four-year-old, like three days on a bike. This afternoon, the last session, we got to the, the part of the track we were going to work on and he just comes over crying, hugging me. And I was like, I get it, dude. Like, you're tired. Have a sit down, watch everyone for a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I, I do that junior thing, but like not a lot of them are like, you know, super at that racy point and the parents are fantastic and they come around yeah, and they help. Because, so you like, know, we have carnage. Yeah, we yeah. have bikes running into each other in the pits. And, yes, yeah, so I'm so glad the parents are there. Um, but then most of what I do um, is probably more senior women that are getting into it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I, and I mean, in saying that though, I run my open coachings, which are six events all around Australia. And that's a lot of juniors and, you know, like Emerald Motocross Track and you know, yeah. a cool motocross track down in parks and stuff like that, where there's some really fast kids that want to race. So, but yeah, I've just, I've always had really cool parents. So I didn't even like link on my radar then that, yeah. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because yeah. man, like, well, I, I guess too, like, just from my end like being around the races it's more of like the the stuff that i would be around filming would be like the australian championships or the like loretta's yeah and, like high end yeah, yeah like right up the top yeah. so i guess yeah if it's not what you like what you're dealing with yeah. it, it's cool um does ma still have the rule about coaching like you have to do a certain amount of coaching as a junior uh it's it's not every it used to be five hours every year now it's only five hours every time you change bike size as uh, a junior. okay do you think that that's a good like a good idea to come from like a governing body or yeah um i think that when it was five hours every year that's probably was, a lot yeah and there was probably just like a you just kind of there was a lot of coaches that probably weren't mm. like the best coaches and they were just ticking off hours yeah so maybe this is meant that there's there's less coaches but maybe the, the quality is a bit higher or you know just the experience that those coaches have had and like you don't have to be the best rider in the world to be a great coach um and just because you're the best rider in the world doesn't mean you will be a good coach yeah so it's you know that kind of but i mean in australia level two coaching is the highest that you 
can get. And so there's level one or level two. That that's that's yeah. all there is. Um, and there there are like a heap of level ones. And I, like I I get to work with lots of different ones around this different states that I I coach in, which is really cool. But it's kind of like there's the same handful of of main coaches and yeah yeah. yeah. So it's the same sort of yeah. group. And so I think that five hours every bike change probably is is all right. But you know if if you want to be awesome like any other sport you got to go to coaching once a week uh, yeah 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 so i mean five hours as a mandatory thing is okay cool but if you're a parent and you do want your kid or if you're a kid and you want to be good then get as much coaching from as many different people as you yeah. can because you know i coach differently to yeah. every other coach and yeah. you might pick something up from me that you don't from them and vice versa and so yeah my, my big thing is yeah do coaching yeah well that yeah. like i never i never did any coaching like as a kid i was lucky because my dad was a pretty good racer yeah so like he in terms of and it's funny now like with the jiu-jitsu stuff that i'm doing it's all coaching like all i do is yeah. like i just go and train, i get train, train. Yeah, yeah i just yeah. get coaching every, every day yeah <laughs> yeah and oh, like there's like more stuff to learn i guess but it it's really changed the way that i look at motocross now like i've been in this sport my entire life and now i have like a new like perspective on stuff because there is this intense focus on coaching and drilling and it's all that you're doing and again it's like you can like this dude's a world champion he knows this this guy knows this so it's like what you're saying makes sense but in my head that was never something i did in in motocross yeah yeah and it's super fun and it's super cool seeing like now say like i'm going to mckay gun valley this weekend and best track in australia yes absolutely i'm pretty stoked to go there definitely a draw card that i have gun valley can i come (laughs) can i come get some coaching come on um i yeah about half the half the entrance are you know over 20 year old dudes so for me as a female in this industry for that many guys to want to pay money to come and get coached by me is that just it makes me feel so good yeah and it's like that's exactly it and that's what i want everyone to see that I mean, more dudes ride bikes than girls, but the only reason is is because more dudes ride bikes than girls. Yeah, like, girls yeah. will bring girls and, you know, it's just like that because it's the way it's been. There's no real reason for it. Yeah. So. Well, so uh, my girlfriend started working at MX Store. Mm-hmm. So, and now she's like, fuck, she scares me because she's like, you know when chicks don't grow up racing bikes or riding BMX? Like, I feel like guys i could be fucking speaking out my ass here <laughs> i feel like guys have a different appreciation for like crashing and speed and like getting on a bike and like going fast like i have like ultimate respect for my bike because it spent my whole life spitting me off yeah so then rick she's like this looks awesome and then she gets on a quad and puts the throttle to the stops and just absolutely holds it like she's going around the the my mate's track at his house every turn and just like hang, just hanging on to this thing and i'm like ricky no you've got to stop this isn't how this motocross thing works <laughs> there's a thing called throttle control and you need to learn it but it's like it's funny that um yeah like the, all those girls at mx store they all ride and yes. like they all just went up and did the um the ladies was it like a ladies day that was just on yes, up this uh, is cute? My- oh the women's trail right there you yeah go. so was, i ran this event so was that that was yours yeah, right? i thought it was 130 yeah. women just that's come so out good. of the woodworks to Green Park, the other best track in Australia. So you where's, know, where's that? Oh, that's Conondale. <laughs> yeah, 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 that is awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so um, like, and from the club's perspective, they were like, holy Jesus, there's this 130 potential club members that we hadn't yeah, thought of yeah. tapping into. Yeah. And then I, you know, I welcome them and invite them out of their comfort zones because a lot of them had never done a 
trail ride before and had never gone anywhere without their partners yeah. riding. Um, but yeah, you, you spend the time and you put in the effort and there's 130 That's so good. other riders that yeah. showed up and had a bloody good time. Well, it, it was really cool like for Ricky to come home and be like, all of those girls, like it, I felt like my dad because she come it was like she was coming home and be like all the other girls got to do it and i'm like no you're it, not riding the it bike it was free for mx store girls too yeah well, i just i was a bit i was just a bit late to the party you know what in hindsight now after like obviously hindsight's 2020 but mm-hmm. after i wish i put some effort into like getting her a bike and like going up and doing it i think are you gonna do one next year up there yeah so every year so july no june June. June. June every year. Um, we'll be there the club's year. really happy. And then November out at QMP have the natural train motocross oh, track okay. closed off. So I did one in November last year. I might get uh, on the for first that one. Then. Yeah, and that was really cool because then there was like time to watch all the other girls and hang out and it was like kind of fifteen minutes on, like forty five minutes off, fifteen minutes on, forty five minutes off, like yeah, like cool. a normal motocross yeah. practice day, but all girls. That's and sick. it was just a cool vibe and camp out together on the Sunday night and hang out and get to meet other chicks. So my my like tagline is creating a women's dirt biking community. Yeah. And and that's exactly what Conondale was so the Husqvarna women's trail ride like did that blow away your expectations oh. 130 girls oh yeah what were you well, expecting well no, no so numbers I wasn't sure what I would get and I was you know what were you going to be happy scared. with well I actually capped it at 100 okay seniors and I got my 100 seniors and then it was just as many juniors as I could get yeah cool. so I ended up with 100 seniors and 30 juniors and so you know for a month out or whatever I knew I was going to get my numbers but then I didn't, you just never know how it's going to go. Yeah. You've got, you know, I've ne- nothing like that has ever happened in Australia before. There's been ladies, crazy, ladies yeah. only like point to point trial rides and things out in the high country and, and stuff like that, but not like a come and set up and it just all girls. So we had dads there obviously, cause it's junior girls need their parents. Um, but as far as riding, it was only, only girls. girls riding. And so like the thing is we're encouraging you to come along on your own. So I had mechanics there, Husqvarna mechanics um, and like Motor X um, there as well, like helping out. And so we had the help if you needed it and heaps of cool sweeps. And I had four chick sweeps as well, which was yeah, really cool. Sweet. And a couple junior ambassadors so that other junior girls could see junior girls Who rip. ripping it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. so um, Maddie Simpson and Addie McQueen, two really cool little girls. Um, and But yeah, I got them all there and it was like they created the, they created the vibe. Like yeah. obviously I can't do that. Yeah, and and yeah. I, I can't be like help one another and look out for one another. And, but they all did and all the feedback I got was, yeah, you stopped on the side of the track for like, two minutes to have a drink and six girls pulled up are you all right like, yeah that's yeah it. and they all just made friends and got to know one another and i sent out a survey and the feedback was was really positive and one of the questions was did you make friends with someone new that's cool that, that you were like more than likely going to catch up with and ride with and it was like a 98 percent yes that's right? so and good. that's the idea yeah. so so i don't have to put on the events they will do it and then and then also the idea because i have been copying a little bit of flack for oh if we had a man's only event yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we kind of do. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I, you know, that's, yeah. that's my thing. It's called the MX Nationals, every, fuck off. Every event <laughs> is pretty much a, a man-only event, like a male-only uh, event. Um, And so I'm not saying like, don't ride with boys, you know. Yeah. Eh, boys. I'm saying, come, we'll create this like no intimidation environment. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the thing no is. no one's hooning up behind you, making you feel like you should go back to the pits. Yeah, and yeah. then you'll get more confident, know what you're in for. You'll get your little posse of girls together and you'll go to a trail ride, just a regular old trail ride. And then that's how it's going to grow because girls aren't just going to go necessarily on their own. And I shouldn't say all girls because obviously I did it. There are other girls that do it. Yeah. You know, but predominantly girls feel a little bit intimidated in that usual environment. So we're creating a bit of a different environment to get confident. The, the thing is with the like 
the whole inclusion equality like it's it's definitely a topic that everyone's talking about across like multiple like it's everywhere now the thing is is like there's definitely some stuff that pisses me off where i'm just like it's so far left that it's now not even i don't even want to entertain the idea but the the truth is always in the middle of that stuff and i think that as long as that it the problem is like when you've got extreme views on how something should be and it's like uh that i mean there's a million examples now of like you know guys shouldn't be allowed to do this guys shouldn't be allowed, no one should be allowed but that's like not what you're doing no. like and the thing is is like i've been to tracks where dudes will try and intimidate me yeah so it's like we we can't sit here as guys and be like we're oh, not we're not scary oh, as if that ever happened. i'm like dude you've fucking done that to me yeah. you know what i mean so it's like yeah. we are in an environment and it's a dangerous game there's a massive speed um discrepancy between a girl that's first learning to ride yeah and then even the average male rider yeah and it's like you want to create something that's safe something well, that's enjoyable we just need like a chance to catch up yeah because it has been a dude sport for like 100 years so we just need a little bit of time to catch up and then you know in hopefully 10 years time you won't need ladies only events yeah because half the people at a trial ride will be ladies and the the thing too from just like a social standpoint like my whole i've put tons of thought into it because i an opinion like this like you don't want to have it without like really thinking about it and i think that what us as guys have to think about is like yeah it has been our sport for a hundred or whatever years yeah and i just it, pulled that number out of, yeah no but i mean it probably was in <laughs> yeah a hundred years is probably not but since yeah. the 20s or 30s or whenever people started riding bikes but it's like you you got to go way back to when what was happening at that time so culturally women were doing one thing and men were doing the other and there was a huge split between that the guys were the ones that had the jobs in factories the factories are where they built the bikes so it's like there's a different level of access that stems really far back and you've got to go far back to understand and like i think the thing that's frustrating is when people want to just like live in they they only have perspective of this time to be like (laughs) oh well a girl can go buy a bike and they think that just because of that the sport should be different it's like it takes time to catch up like we lived in such a different time for so long and we got we're at the point now it's like okay you need to be open-minded there's a reason why it's like this it's not out of i don't think there was ever a vindictive male organization that has tried to ban women yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's not that's not the case but it was like that for a while of it's just access and interest and things like that. Mm-hmm. And now, like, we were just looking up before we just had Harry in here and we we're just looking up living standards. Australia's in the top 10 globally for living standards. Mm-hmm. Well, that means people have time and they've got money. And it's like now girls are like, all right, I do want to get a bike. Yeah. You can do that. You've got everyone's got access. We've got the time. And now I think that because of that, everyone get together and go, what's what's some barriers to entry? And it's like, let's knock down these. Yeah. If there's any of these barriers to entry and that no one's got to be right or wrong to do it. It's just like, what are the current barriers of entry? And I think that the intimidation is a big thing. Um, and the information as well. Like, So even me trying so hard to give the girls every bit of information they need without being patronising as well, because a lot of the women that come along to the trial ride have been to trial rides and they forever, know what they're yeah. doing. Like they've raced before and whatever. But then like one, one thing that I didn't say was bring your own drinking water. Because like... You know, I would just assume because I've been to how many ever races races. and trail rides that you take drinking water. But then, you know, when I got that feedback, I was like, yeah, well, shit. Like I told these girls to come to this event and I'd give them all the information. 
and they've never done anything like it so they thought they'd be drinking water there like so yeah, yeah cool like and so even me with trying so hard not to assume a level of understanding and knowledge and ability and confidence i still assume some yeah so yeah. And, and even like the tracks you know there was a couple of bits that, that were a bit tough but you just you don't know yeah. and all the girls got through and it's and that's why you ride bikes because you do something that's tough and you feel yeah, really good about it easy, afterwards yeah. like it's not supposed to be easy and so the girls got that and so same thing like the feedback was you know two girls said it was too easy and you know four girls said it was too hard and everyone else said it was just right so and you, you can't you but, can't like make it perfect for everyone nah. so do, i'm pretty happy with that feedback 90 percent of the dudes that rode the six hour at conondale last year said it was too hard yeah it was my husband's first and last mick, race mick was one of them <laughs> I, remember, I remember talking to mick he's like it's fucking too hard yeah. it yeah. was that was actually hard. you know what that's the other barrier to entry you have guys hooting around a track they wreck it the girls over the weekend because the vintage guys had rode at Conondale the weekend before so we used a lot of the same tracks the girls smoothed out the track yeah. at the end of the weekend the track was smoother and so that's a scary thing you know big muddy horrible ruts and stuff and that that's that's a scary thing mm. whereas when you have just girls on a track tracks don't get that get as rough and yeah, so it's true. that cool this is this is a taster and that's what my like my trail ride was a really fun cool environment and a taster of what a trail ride is and then obviously you go to an actual trail ride and it's going to be people hooting up behind you and, and, and wreck tracks, but hopefully you're confident within yourself that that's not going to affect you and you're yeah. going to keep riding and having a good time. I think though, like, you know, with, um, like if, with the jujitsu stuff, like we got girls that train with us and it's, you have to have the, um, the knowledge and the, just like the consideration. Like if I roll with a girl, even if she's like a higher rank, or whatever, I'm way stronger, I'm way bigger and it, I can't, I can't control that. So like as a result, <laughs> but you know what I mean? As a yeah. result, you have to change the way that you do stuff because otherwise like there's no well, fun for them and I, it's no, like I don't get anything out of it either. And yeah. I think that it's, you know, the people that are arrogant enough to say like, oh, it's, well, I don't have guys, oh, like that kind of attitude. It's yeah. like, but you got to realize like it, it is, it's a different thing. Like when people play different, sports or they're different you know like that's why we don't have guys playing with girls in rugby there's yeah. too much there's too much of a difference to make yeah, it fun it, for it, the other yeah, person like apples and oranges that old argument and, which, and yeah, we're trying I, to make it fun for people yeah. and it's like if you're putting them in a in a arena where it's very hard for them to have fun or the elite elite top one percent like you can have fun at this you had more fun than mick but you're <laughs> elite you know yeah. so it's like you can't expect that because the top one percent should be able to compete with that group of people yeah that what happens to the 99 percent of people are they fucked because we're too well, how do you get that one percent too like if, exactly if, where do they even start how do they get into it how do they become the one percent mm, yeah no, that's a good point and then so like with back with the racing thing it's been i've been thinking about it a bit lately and it's Myself, Jess Gardner, Taylor Jones, and Emily Carlson have been like were the four in Australia for the last like decade, yeah, pretty much. And unfortunately, we've all pushed each other, and we've all managed to you know scrape and save and sacrifice and or get you know get good support or you know find a way to be able to do it full time to yeah. an extent. But it's just left this big gap, and it's and it's been really hard, I think, for anyone else any other girls to come through because they come yeah. and they give it a go and it's like that, a victim of your own success yeah kind and of. then we're kind of like i know it sounds bad like we're smoking them and then it's cool like taylor's gone to gncc's and is killing it um 
I don't race anymore. So it's Jess and, and Emily, which it's really cool. It's left that it's left a podium spot yeah, open, yeah. which is then those girls that were always, you know, fourth, fifth and sixth can fight one another and push one another to try and get that third place and I think catch up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, because cause how else well, do you may, get there? But the, that same thing can be said for motocross in the US at the top level AMA. Mm-hmm. What, what dudes do you see on the podium? Five guys. Yeah. 35 other dudes don't have a chance. Yeah. And it's so it's like I just think that it's just the way that sport goes. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, at the worlds, like I stopped racing worlds, two thousand and maybe sixteen. So two thousand seventeen, I still raced the six days, but I didn't do any of like the privateer enduro world championship stuff. And because I, I realized that I'd got to a point where I I was fourth, and I'd get a third every now and then, but I wasn't going to get any better without more support but i was not going to get any more support without, without getting, getting better, better yeah. and so i just hit that spot and you know i'd funneled a lot of money and time and effort into it and I, it was brilliant like i had five amazing years and some cool experiences that money can't buy mm. but it was like am i going to dig myself a financial grave that i can't get out of or am i going to say you know what i achieved almost what i set out to and I've, I've i know that i've done the best i can possibly do and just be really happy with it and yeah so i walked away in 2016 and i'm, and I'm glad i did it's um that what you said then it's something i've been thinking about heaps lately is like the stuff that money can't buy mm. that's sort of as i'm getting a little bit old we're, we're both about the same age i'm 31 this year you 30 i just turned 30 yeah yeah okay so like I'm a veteran yeah yeah that I'm, day in the dirt yeah <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> uh, i didn't think about that i'm, I'm doing that shit too <laughs> um but like the thing that like i'm really excited at the moment on stuff that you can't buy and that's where like the jujitsu stuff come in like you can't buy some like the stuff like if you get a new belt you can't buy it you can't walk in any gym in the world and go hey can i get money yeah i'll buy that <laughs> yeah, and they're yeah. like no you can't do that yeah and then but i think that there is it's those experiences like the the six hour like i mean you're buying that you're buying an entry or whatever but it's well, uni filter gives me one yeah, there you go. Yeah. Thanks, uni filter. Wigan, 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 Wigan. Team Gypsy You're game. Nice, nah. nice. Um, but, you know, it's like you can buy an entry, but you've got to do the race to get the feeling. Yeah. You know, and it's like money can't buy the – It's and it's not the pl- – I don't – I couldn't – I've raced four of those six hours. Or, I could not tell you where we come in any of them and yeah. granted it's because we did dog shit but like i don't care <laughs> if you won li- you'd remember hey <laughs> <laughs> I, I think with those six hour events and like you're actually an asshole if you go there trying to win yeah. you know what I mean? if you if, tell people like if well, you're on the line elbows look, up i have stacked this won. year's no we didn't nah. win we got second so it was me my husband and his best mate and neither of them had ever raced before oh. so and, and we got second and i had a a big crash and got the chain guide all stuck. Oh, I don't remember, but you I did ended all up them. I ended up doubling um, Rosie Lalonde in. Oh really? And we shredded. We were overtaking people, so I had. My, she was on the back. Yeah, so she was on the back. I had my legs You're out in front kidding. of me, and she was on the back, and she was doing brake and gears. No. And going through the grass track, like because we had so much traction because we were so heavy, the two yeah. of us, like we were just. Like it was, it was actually the highlight of the event. <laughs> so, so. see, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like that's like I don't know. There to me, like those experiences. Yeah, and like, I went and told Wigan, like, oh, you know, look, I cheated. And he's like, nah, this this Who is Transmoto. That's not cheating. You got in. You did your lap. Like, 
that's the best day. <laughs> yes. That's like the one thing I always tell people. I'm like, if you want to, if you go there and you're like trying to win, you're a dick. Yeah. Just yeah. leave that shit. Go at, to the ARC. Yeah. Leave that shit at home, bro. Like yeah. the winner can win, and that's fine. But uh, he doesn't. Mm. I don't want him to try. I don't want him to talk about it. I don't want him to care about it. Like. Yeah. And that. But, go there to have a good time, and if you win, we'll sick. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. like, but I don't know. I always leave those events like because I'm battered and bruised, and like I've had some massive crashes at those <laughs> at those things. But I don't know. It, like you leave, you're doing it with your mates. It's like mm-hmm. that's an experience that you know. I guess you can buy it because you buy the entry. But I don't know that feeling. Money, yeah. you can't just buy that feeling yeah. from somewhere. Well, you can't yet yeah, buy your way across the finish line. You still got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That's that's the stuff that as I get older, I'm like, that's what I want. I don't want things. I want that. I want that feeling. Well, in the middle of my career, like as a girl racing bikes, like you don't get paid really. Um, so for the first couple of years, I was like, yeah, I, I race bikes and people give me, you know, enough money to do it. So I'm stoked. Like anything anyone wants to give me, like I love them for it. Yay, fantastic. And then there was a sort of a few years in there where I did get a little bit bitter and like played a bit of the victim like you know i'm putting in all this effort as much effort as the boys yeah you know and i don't not yet i don't necessarily expect to get paid what the boys get just yet i think we've maybe got a few more years of of hard yakka um and and a bigger field as well like obviously you know the the lower the base the higher the peak um but you know the 10 percent is not remotely you know hobby money when that you're expected to put in a job amount of effort that's that's not right um, and so I was like super cut about it for quite a few years. And then the last few years of my career, I was like, you know what? I'm here. I'm putting in a big effort. I'm hopefully making it, making a change and helping to make a change so that girls that are juniors now can, you know, can get paid enough money to actually make live. a career out yeah, of Yeah, like kind of, you know, I've, I'm 30 and I haven't earned any money before because I race motorbikes, but that was my choice. And so I realized that that was my choice. And I'm, and I'm happy with the sacrifice that I made. And I didn't quit because I had to buy a house or whatever. Thank, mm. Thanks, John, for paying the mortgage for all those years. I race world championships. <laughs> um, She's going to start paying now, so you don't have to pay anymore. Yeah, I already pay, I pay some now, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and but what I got from racing bikes is worth so much more than money in the bank account. It, it taught me so much and I had so many experiences and met so many cool people. And, like, some of them, you know, drives around Europe we did like road tripping from the center center of france to estonia through like poland and lithuania and latvia and stuff like that and just the cool people like doesn't matter what language you speak you know what country you live in if you ride bikes you ride enduro you're part of yeah, the family the throttles like, are pretty universal yeah, yeah. The, the enduro family we always called it so you know I've, I've just done some cool things and i've learned some cool stuff and now like i have the ability to run myself as a business and get myself around australia and you know and have 25 people enter an event and then be happy with the communication that I give them and that's from well a couple degrees in there as well but that's like from black so yeah yeah. so I mightn't have money in the bank but I have more than money can buy so I have to be happy I feel a similar way about the stuff that I did in the US like when I come back I didn't really have much money I had a couple cameras or whatever but Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like I mean, I do it all again in a heartbeat, but I think that it's the stuff that when you do things for the right reason, that it then comes back. And I think that like this podcast is a result of what I did. And I think that it's like at the time I wasn't doing it because I was like, all right, if you just slog it out and you just (laughs) work hard, then when you get home, you'll start, you can do this pod. Like it wasn't like that. It's almost like that blind faith that 
your heart's in it, you're doing it for the right reason. And, and if, things evolve like exactly. organically, yeah. 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 So, and I think that that's, you know, obviously you're seeing like the fruits of those labor, like you might not have been getting paid the way you wanted to off racing, but it's like, you've now got a, a career that in what you do and you're an ambassador for so many different brands and like, man, everyone, like when I was telling people that you were coming on the show, everyone that's involved with you cannot speak highly enough of you. Cool. And that's that's a super meaningful thing to like go through and there's not a lot of people that go through a career racing and then people have only got good shit to say about them too which is you know that's sort of another testament as well my my thing was always because i obviously didn't get paid so it was all of you know like fox did this event um a couple years ago um fox ride something forget but um it was all like bmx wakeboarders downhill mountain bike riders motorbike riders and we all got together all the different athletes and some of the other athletes you know sort of looked at it like oh it's part of my job i have to come and do this i could be doing other crap and i was like are you kidding me like this is the bonus i get to come and do this and meet these cool people and have this experience and it's something that like money couldn't buy hanging out and like hume with all these freaking cool dirt bike riders and mountain bike riders and wakeboarders and shit um so yeah i always tried to turn a sponsor into a friend as well was my thing like because yeah, that, that's only going to be good. And so yeah. I did. In like you know those fifteen years, I turned all sponsors into friends. So when I had to make that awkward Monday morning call when I quit racing at Newcastle mid-event and just rode into the back of my van and drove away, <laughs> and I you know promised Everyone's everyone like, I would finish, and everyone thought I was pregnant, of course. But um, I had to make that call and said, look, you know, I, I just. I don't love it and I just couldn't do it anymore. So what? So talk us through that event from like <laughs> you, like the week leading up to it and then like the event to the point where you rode off in the middle of it. Okay. Um, it I want to hear that story. That's gutsy. Okay. <laughs> it was... So mid- mid-season break last year in AORC, it was quite a bit of time off because I have like Fink and Hatter and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah. it was this break. Did you ever do a Fink sidebar? Sorry. No. You ever no, do never, that? No. No, never I, don't, do I don't really like going that fast. It's, it's scary. Yeah, a bit scary, yeah. 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 <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> um, I'm all about going like 40Ks through the trees and it feels fast. Bop, 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 bop. So yeah, we, we finished up. Like I wasn't loving that season, but I thought I'd just get into the swing of things kind of thing. And I did, I did the four-day in Cessnock and I got up on the podium and thanked everyone and said it was my last ever four-day because I knew I was going to retire at the end of last year. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and so... So those thoughts were in your head Yeah, already. it was already in my head. And then um, got married, which was... We got married... John and I got married on our 12-year anniversary and we'd been engaged for six years. So it was something that was like... We'd waited a really long time and it was finally happening because I wasn't racing world championships anymore and stuff like that. And so it was such a big focus on the wedding... And then we had this month, you know, honeymoon in Samoa and it was glorious. And then it was like, oh, I gotta shit, race again. I've got to go racing. And I like, I was crying about it and like like ringing Fox or ringing Unifilter or like ringing whoever it would be to be like, I'm not going to go. And then like hang out and be like, no, you have to go. You've promised like you'll go. You have to go. So we drove all the way down and like I was miserable sap and That's John, crazy, John got yeah. me there. And so I walked Tess and I was like walking around like, like being the sourest sourpuss ever. And I was like, you know, this isn't me. Everyone knows me. I was a smiley person. So, and then started racing. It was a, it was a proper enduro, like time card enduro. So we went out in the morning and did a first test and I come in and John's like, you want it. Like, and then he thought, all right, she's going to pull her finger out of bum now. Like she won the first test. So did you tell him like the whole way there that you were over it? Like he was like, he was actually the reason I ended up there. Like he was like, you have to do it. You've promised people like you have to do it. And so I went out and trail 
and I was just like I got overtaken by like 15 people and like you know when you're just like on the verge of tears and yeah. I could just feel it like in my throat it's like well. stuck right there yeah, yeah and I was like what are you no, doing no boys don't cry yeah boys don't cry <laughs> <laughs> never cried in my life not and, even as a baby and then we got into the pits and like where there was so you, you, you did the test you went out and did like a couple, like an hour to a trail or whatever it was and then you come in and you had to do another test and it was a bit dusty so I had to overtake all those people that had passed me in trail because I was riding like such a noonger so I pulled in I was like all covered in dust and hate and life and you know I rode for Yamaha for the 10 years that I well probably even more than that like the 15 years I raced world champ oh, sorry Australian championships I was with Yamaha so the boss of Yamaha Ray Howard walked past and I'm having a cry and he's seen me cry a lot over my career it sounds like I cry a lot um and he was like oh you're crying again Wilson and I was like yeah I really don't want to go out like I, I don't want to do this anymore and he was like oh I'll see you on the podium I was like ah oh, shit so John's like, you know, that's a pretty cool thing to say. Like wiped my eyes and put my helmet back on me and said, "Go out there." So I, I went out, lined up for that test that I'd won. He's like, "You won this test, like first time round, you're good." And I took off, and I legit nearly hit every bloody tree out there, and just so just full head nod. Like it? it was just horrendous, and I rode across the finish line, like and ready to go out for like another whole looper trail and test and stuff. And John was standing there, and, and I was just like miserable, and he's like you don't have to do it and I was like will you still love me if I don't finish and he was like yes and I was like okay cool and then I rode <laughs> and I rode my bike into the van and and I took my time car back to the the scorer so like Jan Walden anyone who knows Enduro knows Jan she's been there forever and I was like here's my time card Jan and she's like what are you doing oh are you, are you injured and I was like no I'm fine yeah, mentally I'm yeah, fine I'm and, yeah <laughs> and she goes oh is your, is your bike all right bike's fine bike's really good she's like are the tracks no good are you kidding me? I love Dungog. Like, Dungog tracks are sick. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. She's like, oh, okay. Like, all right. So, and then it was, that was Saturday. So, I obviously drove home and was a bit miserable and rang all the family. And then, yeah, rang all the sponsors on, on the Monday morning. And I told them that I was still going to continue because I've been running the Fox Women's Off-Road Camp out. So, ladies only, 18 plus, no kids allowed, no husbands. Like, it's just a cool, really cool environment um, for five years. So, and I already had a, a lot of other coaching stuff and like the ride day out at QMP, like sort of organized and, and I already had things happening. And so I told everyone that I was going to continue on with every other aspect of what I do. I just wouldn't be racing anymore. Um, and they all stayed on board, except uh, obviously I changed from Yamaha to Husqvarna and um, Husqvarna totally get, you know, pioneering is there. Yeah, that's there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, now they're pioneering with me to create this women's dirt biking community in Australia and it's amazing and I've ridden so many bikes like i always had a 254 stroke and now in the last six months i've ridden like everything and i just love every one of them and i can't pick a favorite so yeah and and you know what it changes as good as a holiday as well yeah and i'm working with paul barrick at mpe who he did my suspension for the last 15 years so now to get involved with him more with the bikes and the suspension obviously has been really cool so he's someone that i've trusted and admired for you know since i was 16 or whatever dude i would have had mpe suspension when i was like oh 16 17 it was like <laughs> yeah, the shit yeah man. Like if you had like the mpe sticker yeah. back in the day <laughs> if you had that mpe sticker and if you didn't it was like you'd, people would look at you on the line and be like oh, look at that shit box yeah, you're gonna go shit yeah yeah so and and like the change was as well like changing from yamaha you know i rang paul and said look hypothetically like would you want to work with me because I want to work with you. And he was like, yep, cool, let's do it. And it's just Did he do your stuff at Yamaha? Easy. No, oh yeah, he always did my suspension. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's like we were friends from 
forever. So it was just, do you want to do me husky instead of my Yamaha? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, can you get me a husky? Like, Because he sells oh. huskies as well. So he's a husky dealer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. So he's got the MPE suspension where he does all suspension yeah, still. Yeah, but yeah. then he's got the Husqvarna I didn't know he had a dealership. Lounge, right? yeah. So oh, that's he sick. had the Husseberg and then changed in Husqvarna. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and it was just, you know, a easy, really easy conversation and just working with someone that you know and trust and it's been brilliant. And now Husqvarna obviously have gotten on board as well with the trail ride yeah. and, and I've got a couple of bikes and, and yeah, they've just been brilliant to work with as well. Yeah, the, like we were talking about it off air. Like if I could have a bike to ride, like I just could got one bike, I'd get the like a KTM or a Husky 350. Yeah. Like hands down, they're so good. Traction control, go anywhere. I didn't really, I <laughs> didn't really notice. No, I raced the I raced the 350 enduro yeah. uh, at six hour because I was saying yeah. I had the 300. But it's and the only 350. if it's like real slick. But I had like it rocky, and then you put the traction control, and you're stuck somewhere, and all of a sudden you're not goes. stuck anymore. Like yeah. you just you just tractoring out of where you were. Well, I did notice it on the grass track because I'd come out of the turn, like because Nathan Crawford's like, when you come out of the turn, just hold it flat, and I was like, oh okay, I'll just try that, <laughs> and like it was it wouldn't step out, like it was almost like a weird feeling. Yeah, but I d- maybe I don't ride in it. The- does, and I think it sounds weird too. Yeah, it and like, sort of sounds like, as a rider, like, you're like, always yeah. like listening, and yeah. Yeah, it had like a weird, like a flat, like it had flattened out. It wasn't revving all, all the way out, but it was, yeah, I don't know. It was like weird to describe, but I could notice it on the grass track, but then in the tree, I couldn't, I don't know, but I don't really ride that much enduro stuff. And then I only ride twice a year. So, I mean, it probably wasn't a good gauge. Yeah. So I went out to Glen Echo, Ride Park up past Gympie, um a couple weekends ago and it was wet and they've got some like gnarly, rocky uphill sections. And I was on the 350 and we're cruising around and like I haven't done in that sort of riding in over a year now and I was the end of the day and I was a bit knackered and we're going up and you know everyone's bikes are all hot and steaming and whatever and I've, I've put on traction control and the whole time I'm going up this hill I'm thinking what are you doing with your body Gemma like your legs are off you're just like oh just this passenger but because the traction control on I was literally like legit just point and shooting and waiting for everyone to keep working hard on the hill like so, so it works I was like good. yeah it works so, that's sick yeah. yeah maybe i'll see if i can borrow one this year then yeah but like i think um yeah that we were saying before like that 300 blew me away because crawford was saying just put it in third gear and then just like kind of you can do ev- ev- everything in third gear like you don't have to change you go first second third that's it <laughs> yeah go up if you need to but you don't have to go down and, and i just idle around but then if you want power holy dooly it's there on the fast, eh? yeah. <laughs> yeah. but like i just didn't believe him so i did i was going i think i did like the 300 first and i did 350 then i did 300 and then i come back in and he's like oh have you been you're just cruising in third and i was like no nah, not really hey eh? and then because it, it is fast like it's quite a bit to handle like yeah. if you're going first and second gear like through the yeah. tight shit and then he's like, dude, put it in third gear. So then I did, oh, Trento broke his foot as well. And then I had, so it was me, Trent and Wigan on a team. And then Trent broke his foot first lap. And then Wigan was just off like running the event. And then I'd come in and he'd be like, yep, you just want to do another one? And I'm like, no, I'm fucking done. Dude. I don't want to do, I don't want to do this. And then he's like, just do another one. And I'll come back. So then I went out on the 350 again. And then I would just did that third gear everywhere and i was i was blown away that was like a riding a new thing 
Yeah. Like I drove bikes yeah, my whole yeah. life and I was like, oh, this is like a new thing. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, well, like I said before with like my husband, he's not he rides a couple times a year. Like it's not his thing, but he's – because I had the 350 and the 300 and I sold the 300 to him and replaced it with the 150 because it's a bit more of a, oh, come and try this Husqvarna bike, not yeah. as kind of potential to loop out and hurt yourself like if you're not a confident rider. Um, and – yeah, I've never seen him enjoy riding as much. As That's he, so good. He just loves a 300. Like, yeah. And it's, yeah, like so Glen Echo, it's the first time we've been together 13 years and it's the first time we've ever gone somewhere and just ridden together and had a fun time for a weekend. That's awesome, And, eh? and he just rode forever and I just rode forever and I had the 150 and the 350 and swapped so between them. So the 150, just like the motocross 150? No, or do the they TE. do? Oh, so they yeah. do like... And the 2020s oh, road I want one of them. I want one of them. Yeah, so the 2019 is um, not fuel injected yet. Um, and it's not road registrable. So 152 stroke electric start. I want one of And Paul lowered it 20 mil too. I've never had a lowered bike because oh. I was always like, oh, you know, it's only going to make it harder to get over things. But holy dooly, I feel so confident. And I still can't touch the ground, both feet or anything. But I can't like, imagine riding and not, like I've got super <laughs> long legs and I can touch the ground from wherever. Well, my motto, I can't imagine that. My motto was always, well, not my motto, but the thing I always thought was Stefan Merriman's shorter than me. Uh, Ricky Carmichael's shorter than me and Glenn Carney's shorter than me. If they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So I never, ever looked at like lowering a butt. But because this 150 set up for people to jump on, because you know how like you've got your 125, oh, sorry, yeah, 125 and like 230 like farm bike-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Honda's yep, yep. and Yamaha's. And then you've got 254 strokes or 1252 yeah, strokes. Yeah, there's, not there's like nothing in between. Range. So I was like, all right, well, this 150, you can you can ride it fast, but you can really just idle around like you can on the 300 as well. And it, it's got torque down bottom, but it's still a full-size bike. So we, that we, we lowered weight, it a bit. The weight yeah, too would so be so light. good because that's the thing that I feel like when I – because I'll do the six out and I'll do day in the dirt. That's kind of all I really ride. And I might go to QMP or Willow Bank. Like, do a dust hustle too. Yeah. That's I, so much fun. I wanted to do – this year was just – because I was doing all that jiu-jitsu stuff. Like, I took it super serious before yeah. the state titles. Yeah. So, I was like, wrapped myself in bubble wool. <laughs> yeah, like, so maybe not. That's where I broke my finger. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I was like, I don't want to... I just don't want to get hurt. But, like, after... Because we're doing the Townley tour. Yeah. So, I got, like, the nationals for jiu-jitsu and then the Townley things the next weekend and then dirt, uh, Day in the Dirt's the weekend okay. after that. So, I got, like... I'll have a month of just, I'm just going to go straight moto. Okay. And it'll be a good change too, like yeah. from just training flat out. Well, the next hustle is North Brisbane flat track. Yeah. which is really fun um and that's like november really yeah. no no it's not november it's september, september end of september that'd be mixed gonna look that up so yeah yeah we'll figure that out um so yeah that's so much fun and like that one what bike do you ride there um so i rode the 701 oh that's at, cool yeah at qmp so and it had like road trials tires on it and so the slick grass track and i just slid out because i wasn't used to those tires and landed on my finger um but it was so much fun. oh so when you landed your you didn't let go of the yeah, yeah okay yeah because it just happened so bloody quick <laughs> um and but i used to ride like mini bikes in it and so i'm gonna try and get my hands on a mini bike i think what kind for, do you reckon well i'd love like this tc85 i reckon yeah okay. yeah and then you know what i reckon would be super fun is one of those honda 150 like the motocross 150s yeah. That'd be pretty sick because you got like a bit of that four-stroke traction. Yeah, well, last year I rode TTR 125 in it. That'd be tapped. Which, which was, it was fun. Like at yeah. the North Brisbane flat track, you you didn't go off full throttle yeah, like yeah. the whole time. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then it dated you know, um, it was the 65 and then Dust Hustle. Like oh, yeah, yeah. The CC, which was sick. You know Aaron Colton? Have you ever heard of him? No. Have you ever heard of Aaron Colton? 
Yeah, he's a Red Bull dude. Um, he does like all the stunt riding for Red Bull, mm-hmm. and uh, he has a TTR one two five. They and are they are pretty wicked. Yeah, he puts the full flat like the flat track tires yeah. on it, and we we're out at Paris Raceway one day, mm-hmm. and he just just the whole and just like just slide and like he'd like maybe back off a little bit just to try and get it to step out of it, and then yeah. just keeps going. I was like, dude, that looks like that looks like the move. Yeah, but I was talking with um Rosie Lalonde, who's the events manager at KDM and Husqvarna, and oh yeah Rosie's yeah, the best yeah Rosie so over because I just did the, the launch for the Huskies in Finland for the 2020s oh sick and I don't know if you've seen anything on social media but like Graham Jarvis and stuff riding around on the electric 50s oh. and they look sick really? so Rosie's like we need to try and get one into Australia and I don't know if I'm supposed to like say this publicly because no, uh, but be maybe fine. I'll help make it happen because I really want it to happen yeah you'll be f- but, Rose, Rosie's um, chill yeah try, try and um yeah. <laughs> get one of them for day in the dirt for the dust hustling so that i can i can sick. race an electric 50 because that would be so what epic. so look my recollection of day in the dirt last year is a tiny bit foggy yeah so what what was the dust hu- like so you had the big everyone, track yeah and then the, you had the little track little like track. the mini bike track yeah so is that you could just ride anything, anything. on there because ne- i just didn't get i was like what everyone's on like look at that thing that thing's sick yeah damn that's legit but i was like what and i was like picture me on that <laughs> i was like what's going on here like what's the rules to this race yeah but it, there's just no rules so like i rode the tti125 and the women's and so rosie lalonde was on the um free ride electric really so she was a silent and i was pretty damn close to silent and we were having like the epicest battle it was really fun and then i was on the 65 in the small bike burners but then i went on the 65 with 450s and I beat them. Really? And it was so freaking cool. And there's like a heap of footage floating around of it. And yeah. And one of the dudes apparently is like works for Cassins or something. Oh, yeah. And in the, in the office. So one of the other guys took photos of me smoking him and then sent it to everyone at Cassins, uh, like in the whole office. And you're on a 60. And it was like a brutal race. At one point, like last lap, first corner of like the, the start of the last lap, old mates tried to come in underneath me. And because I'm down on the little 65. His front wheel like took all the skin off my elbow, but then he ended up crashing and I stayed upright and like it was wild battle. It was sick. Dude, that that was seriously <laughs> the funnest weekend. My mate Brock, like when we were doing the drags, my mate, did you see Brock loop out the four fifty? I have a photo of it. Oh really? Dude, Brock. Did you see that when everyone was doing the drags? Were you watching it? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, Brock. There's a, a few loop outs, I don't know oh, this particular oh, one. He's on a he's on a cow, he had like no shirt on, like footy shorts and just like a helmet and, and some shoes. And he's oh, oh. and he said to everyone, he's like, I'm just gonna loop it out. And so it was a full full on print and we're like, You're not gonna loop it out. He's like, Watch me, bro. And he's like, Whoop, 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 and just threw it away and we're just like, He just did it. Oh, I've never like what kind of what other event is someone gonna say, Wait, I'm going for a loop. Yeah, out. I'm going for a loop. And out, then yeah. like it becomes the instant MVP of the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, that I'm so excited for this year. Yeah. No, you're good. AF clothing, yeah, dude. Yeah. He is the biggest that. lord. It was crazy to watch. It was awesome. He was ripping so hard on that on that six. I can't remember yeah, his name. Man, he's um, I he's such a cool it, dude. But yeah, he just, he just didn't think. I'm just 
Shout out. I, he's a good dude. Yeah. He messages a, a bunch he, of the podcasts. I'm pretty sure, like I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he put his Harley through the wall at Brisbane Flat Track last year's stuff stuff. So I'm pretty sure it was him. He yeah. sends it, eh? Yeah, he dude, does. Because he had, he had the Allen hangover yeah. thing and like he was ripping so hard. And then those whole <laughs> boys, man, like the whole Fish Fingered crew, they, uh, look, they made that event. Something else. I'm interested this year, though, to see... I know. I've heard that it's going to be a bit tamer. Yeah. They're going to try to make it tamer anyway. Dude, it was so funny. Like No one really knew what to expect. And nah, that was things like... Things got hectic. You know what it's like? It was Woodstock. It was our Woodstock of motocross. Because, like, in the... You know, you're in the 60s. you got all those bands playing. <laughs> it pisses down rain. Everyone's yeah. in the mud. The There's mud like, made it, too. It like, was so good, really eh? It, yeah. But it was like that That weekend was so funny. I didn't even get my bike out. I just rode everybody else's bikes. So I was like, man, I'm going to get my shit dirty. Well, this is out of control. Last year, I just set up with the Ella Speed dudes at, like around Dust Hustle. Um, but this year, I got a couple of girlfriends coming along. And so... I don't, I didn't, I don't know if like who won the best campsite thing. Did effort get put into that last year? Because like we, I'm throwing it down. We're putting some effort in us really? girls, and I think we're gonna win. So I reckon, I reckon <laughs> uh, the old fish fingered crew are probably gonna have it. They bought a semi, dude. They had oh, like it was, it was theirs the party one. Oh the, yeah. Okay, but that was that was over the that top. was pretty reckless. Like. <laughs> <laughs> ours is gonna be the opposite of that, but really cool still. Okay, what? just wait. I'm not giving any more away. All right, all right, all okay? right. Okay, it's. Super cool. And Brownie's painting me a helmet that's going to be unveiled because it's ah. matching our campsite. Dude, he's a guy I want to get on the podcast. <laughs> he's the coolest guy, he old Brownie. Yeah, so like I've known him for like known of him forever and like had a little bit to do with him, but we weren't really mates. But we went to Vietnam together for the oh, Blokes World Tour yes, in um, yeah. April. Yeah. April, May. And so it ended up it was myself, Laura and Elise, so us three girls and him and then like a heap of other Blokes World viewers. And it was like we were the three hens, and he was our rooster. Yeah. And, like, and we just had the best time together. And like we're on XR one fifties, and the tour leader would have a pillion, so he was going pretty slow. Yeah. And everyone was like pretty tame. Like you had a big mix of riders and stuff, of course. And we spent a lot of time on bitchman, which Brownie and I weren't super impressed with. So we would duck off and do like sections of bush and then come back and then like Isle of Man it to everyone and then yeah. duck back off and do some bush and Isle of Man it to everyone. So like we made our own fun. It was it was pretty cool. But Yeah, that Yeah, but he's a legend. And they ended it last year. He was he was wild. He we we gave him we did a post like a post day in the dirt podcast and Maddie Phillips Actually, and Sam Moore. We talked about this, Brownie and I talked about your post event oh, podcast really? and how he got the shout out for me. Oh bro. Wild. He was like straight I, I took I gave the MVP for Day in the Dirt based on party ride ratio. Like because you couldn't just party and get the MVP. Well, look, you couldn't just ride. I feel like it could have gone to me because I did vomit on myself in my van and then eight AM moto and I won everything I entered and I've never been so drunk or so hungover. That's pretty <laughs> so- You just weren't public enough. Brownie was public. I know. Dude, I'm I, sneaky. I legit pulled I legit pulled him out of a fire, eh? Like it because we were up when he had the chainsaw. The chainsaw yeah. So everyone's like hey, he's like trying to start this chainsaw and then he gets it going and he's like and then he he drops it and then it stalls and then he starts to get going again and he's just like he fell forwards 
while he was falling into the like he, but he was still pulling it so he's like hur, 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 hur. and then he's in the fire and then i was like fuck brownie and then i've grabbed him by the back he had like some ridiculous shirt on yeah, and, and i'm just hair yeah, and, stuff, yeah and i'm just like double gra- like jab both of the back of his neck and just like yanked him out of this fire and he was still going hur, hur, hur. <laughs> Didn't even so know like yeah like he's falling in and then he's falling out and the whole time he's on the chainsaw so oh. i was like i was like i've seen enough mvp and then like he he was doing the drags. He was on the dust dust track. He was on the main. I was just like, "You're a fucking animal, dude!" Like he, yeah. So he, and then Sam Moore, very hotly contested second because Sam Moore is a very, very qualified partier, <laughs> and but not that qualified of a rider. And he really dug in and uh, and did both. So. Well, I was other way around. You're the overqualified rider and totally underqualified party. <laughs> like, and but I swear I put myself to bed at like nine o'clock on the Saturday night. And last thing I remember is air kicking because I was wearing my Doc Martens and obviously you got to air kick when you're in Doc. <laughs> and, um, but apparently people were telling me the next day how we were having this, you know, this was happening at 11 o'clock and this was happening at 1 o'clock and, and I was like, a part I of to, it. I and like, I was I like, oh, shit. I, to, I was like, I went to bed at nine, And that's, um, that's how young Henry's got involved with my campouts, actually. Was oh, day in really? the dirt. We made friends because obviously I was having a good time. Shout out to Kempi. Yeah. Yes. Best. Actually, I got a pull into his joint and pick up 10 cartons on the way home for he's my a, next few camp outs so. he's a man dude he's <laughs> yeah. he's a man he can ride good too yeah. he rides everything too he's got like 400 bikes now nah, the um yeah it, it's it i'm i'm pumped that it feels like that event is has brought together like all the communities if yeah. that makes sense so what i was gonna say as well then actually i'm also trying to get off the topic of all of the amazing things that happened day in the dirt <laughs> but uh so, you know, I raced, raced for 15 years and then all of a sudden I started doing some dust tussles and like day in the dirt. I did my first ever Transmoto at yeah. Cunnendale last year. And it's, oh, was that your yeah, first Yeah, it was my one? first yeah, ever okay. one because I was always so busy, like, you know, professional racing to go and actually just have a good time racing. And the people that I've met and it's just a totally different experience and I'm like, and it's, it's racing, but it's not racing and it's, it's so much fun and I'm so glad. And, you know, like the Ella Speed crew that run dust tussle. Yeah. You know, like the, you've, I've walked in and it's these group of people that are, you know, all around, you know, our sort of age and that do cool shit and they love bikes, but they are also really, you know, talented business people and they're all like industrial designers at Ellis Speed because they've got yeah. the custom shop at, at West End and like they're just mad people who have, it, sound, it sounds like I'm not dogging motorbike people because obviously I am one of them, um, but people that have lives outside of motorbikes yeah, as well because yeah. I've, I've just spent like my whole adult life in this bubble yeah. of all I do is bikes and all I care about is bikes and all the people I know all they do and care about is bikes and it's just been this real big change and I open up that you can like bikes and still have so much other stuff going on and yeah you are fun. right eh? I haven't thought about that before but you look at Kempi and he would be like my example of that because I've become pretty good friends yeah, with like him through this he loves bikes lives and breathes on yeah. but has so much other shit going yeah, on yeah yeah you you know what you're right because like yeah bikes has been my life until I you know went to America and then you come back and it's yeah. like it's through bike through bikes I've found other stuff yeah not the other way around and then around. you can have like bikes in common but then learn and yeah like, yeah from so many other aspects of people and like um the dudes from village bicycles it's a like a really cool bar restaurant Up in at Noosa, Noosa Junction. Yeah, yeah. yeah so met them been there at, a lot yeah at, at <laughs> day in the so dirt good. and then a couple dust hustle events and i had my 30th there which was a whole oh, that's fun awesome. and like i've coached them and their kids a couple times and that's who we spent the weekend out oh, at Glen Echo really? with for that's like 40th awesome. and and like you know they are awesome dudes who have a ripping business 
and that place is so yeah, good. Yeah, it is so cool. Yeah, I was and so sideways the last like, time I was there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, it was like four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, they're just like mad dudes. So that's another example of, you know, it's, it's, since Day in the Dirt, that there are people yeah. that I met there that well, friendships that's the same, have yeah, grown. Yeah, that's yeah. the same. Kempy's like yeah. that for me, like through, yeah. through that whole crew. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's like, man, I just like... I don't know if it was the same racing for you, but it was just felt so serious all the time. And like, yeah. we were talking about this with Todd the other day, cause Todd Waters, he just went and did uh Nabiak six hour mm-hmm. and he come home and he's like, dude, next year I'm going to do like heaps of shit like <laughs> yeah, that. His socials look really cool with his, like yeah. his car and his 10 up top yeah. and like, it and looks that, like he's just living it like a good life. That's, yeah. that's him. Like yeah. he's not doing that shit for the gram. Yeah. Like he was so excited about camping on the side of the road <laughs> and it's like, that's, he's not, you know, not trying to do hashtag insta life sort of thing. I oh, know I'm all about the hashtag van life, but life's got to be LYF. Like, come on. <laughs> 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 keep, keep an eye on my socials the next two weeks because I'm van laughing it up <laughs> to Boston. So. <laughs> oh, that's a drive And too. my van is lovely and whitewashed. I just got to chuck some fairy lights in and i'm good to go you're solid yeah you can get all the <laughs> socials but like and even todd said that same thing it's like all of this race it just feels so serious and then i went and did that event and i actually do get shit for people uh people message me when i like talk about the six hour and down the day and they're like oh go and do some other events not trans motor look i'm sure there is a lot of other great events out there mm-hmm. and i just haven't been to them so i can only I don't get paid by Transmoto. There's not, yeah, you know what I mean? What done, this is so what we do. This is yeah. where my friends go. Yeah. And I know Mick goes to amazing rides and I do want to do it. But like the, the, the more, like I'm not trying to plug Transmoto and the six hour. I'm not trying to, it's not for them. It's like, I'm trying to plug what they're creating and yeah. the vibe. And yeah, like, killing it. I want. And that Nabiak look like next level with like their smoothie guys there and Mole Max checks. And like they're really creating an event. They're yeah. not, it's not a race. Well, they're making a vibe. It's, in a, it's an event with a race involved. And yeah. that's, that's cool. Like that, yeah, that's next level. And then the moral of the story is like, I'm frothing on it because of what it feels like when you're there. And I know there's other events that are creating that same vibe and it's not, it's not just Transmoto. And also like, and I'm not knocking AOSC's well, four days, not, it, I'm knocking that. It didn't happen this year. And like international six day enduros and stuff, because that's that's just a different level of riding, and it's not for everyone though. Yeah. And so like my whole career, I would always be like, "Come on, guys! Like we're all here for the same reason. Like yeah. we all want to win. Like no one's no one's special. You're not. You don't have it harder than anyone else. Like everyone has their own shit going on, and yeah. like their own battles or their own like you know that it's all been smooth sailing, and they're probably going to kill it this weekend. Yeah. But like. We're all here for the same reason. Yeah. So, and don't forget that. And I think sometimes we forget that at, yeah, and at professional races. Oh, and even yeah. at like motocross races, like just sunny states or this is the shit I do growing up. Like it just felt so serious and it's, it is cool. And maybe it's because you get those people like the village bicycle dudes or like the dust hustle guys where they do have a lot going on. They do know that there's more to life than just racing yeah. and we're not, not living in a, in a bubble. And maybe that's why those events are so good. And it's yeah. like, it's cool to keep that perspective of like, this is, this is what it should be like. It should be so, like part of a whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Hewan always says at the end of his, um, so Hewan from Ellis Feed at the beginning of dust hustles at the end of briefing, he says, like, you know, go out there, have a fun time, rah, 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 rah. Racing is cool, but being cool is cooler. Yeah, like, that's true. Eh? Yeah, and so for my trail ride, I was like, I'm actually stealing this from Hewan, but like, come on, girls, look out, go out there, have a fun time, look after one another, because racing is cool, but being cool is cooler. That's really good, so, eh? I like that. Yeah, and I think, and I always look back to, 
you know, I've been racing ARCs for 15 years or 13 years and I don't remember who won every one. Like, you know, but I know that Toby won a heap and then I know like Milner won a heap. Fuck Toby. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I don't remember specifically, but I remember who were good people. Yeah. I remember who was there, you know, doing the right thing. Good, good sportsmen. And you know, treating everyone equally, whether they're winning or losing or somewhere in between. And that's what you remember. And you don't just be friends with winners. You'd be friends with nice, like cool people. Yeah, cool people. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, still fuck Toby. Um, (laughs) 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 You might say out of that one. No, no, it's like a, it's like a running, like, so Toby, basically i'll tell people like he because i always get shit well like the way i talk to him on the podcast and stuff because to people he's like their hero you know what I mean? but to me him, yeah. but to me he's the dude that sleeps on the couch and eats all my food and my mum will cook special meals for him <laughs> every time it's like oh we're having dinner tonight toby what is what do you what do you want to-? i'm like fuck toby like so that's <laughs> like it's like an inside but i just say it every, and like yesterday he's uh I texted him last oh, last night or oh, replied to his Insta thing because he's like filming someone's golf swing, but it's like him as well as like it's a self. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Is your other camera broke?" Oh, I dropped the and then I'm, like, I'm like, "It's not always gonna be a selfie, bro." So anyway, there's context to it. I don't, okay, I don't okay. actually do love Toby. Yeah, but me too. He's uh, yeah, fuck Toby. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, what was it going to be my next thing? Toby threw me off my game. Um, I wanted, fuck Toby. Yeah, fuck Toby. See, even <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, everyone, everyone, yeah, you get it, you get it, I get it. Um, dude, we got like the gnarly. We did this um when Toby won Dakar. So this this is like how funny people are. So we made a whole podcast dedicated to how awesome Toby is. Mm-hmm. But I called him Tony instead of Toby through the whole thing. <laughs> and I got like legit got hate mail. <laughs> it was so, I'm like, do you not get that uh, I've just made a 35 <laughs> minute YouTube video on how good this dude is? <laughs> and they just, oh, that's it. People. Uh, yeah. And people in like, like people giving me shit in like different languages. I was like, all right, what are we doing here, people? Um, but yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about what you were saying before about like some of the pay stuff Mm -hmm. so you do like because i didn't realize how bad it was for yeah nobody does so i want to give you a chance to explain because it kind of blew my mind so i want to like let you blow everybody else's mind okay well like and it's not and it's not me ripping on on yamaha because i wouldn't have had a career without them like they were there for me for 10 years and they gave me everything i needed to have a really like i've just said how much i loved it and how much i got from it and you know, at the end of the day, they're a business, not a charity. So if no other manufacturer is going to pay a girl, so they might they give product and, you know, parts and whatever, but Yamaha was the only one that was forking out contingency and expenses, um, well, that I knew of anyway. Uh, so, you know, cool, thank you. But it was, yeah, it was piss poor. So, I mean, and again, it's just rumours. Like, I don't know exactly what the boys get paid, but I know, I know that if I won both days at an AORC I would only make $1,200 for the weekend and covered expenses so it might you know I might be driving to Melbourne which is obviously like heaps of fuel and things but you know I would get all that fuel back and my entry back but it's still that's a week you know by the time I drive down there and I drive back because I didn't have team support yeah, or anything yeah. like that and so you're making $1,200 to work you you know you butt off and slog it out and you've put in it's not just two days of racing you've put in a lot of effort to win that two days of racing so and you couldn't go to work work five days no, ask for the time off for the weekend yeah. 
go be well, there. Well, if you did, you wouldn't win. I was so going to say, so then you're not, yeah, so then so you're not making and, your 1200 bucks. And if you got 30, it was like 200 bucks, you know, so per day. So 400 bucks, you know, which is, which is, you know, it's money, but it's hobby money. And that was my thing. Like, you, us girls, it's not a hobby. We're putting in, Man, you can putting make, in work You can effort. make more money winning the uh, Open Division white belt at the next comp. <laughs> you can win $500. <laughs> All right, come and give it a go. <laughs> no, actually, I'm pretty scared of fighting. No, but like, no, but that's that's actually piss poor because like yeah. that's the white belt is what you get the day you walk into the gym. Okay. So like that's pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, and then another thing too is like when we had the um, Australian Jurocross Championships a few years ago, the women got paid the same amount that the clubbies and the juniors got paid. So clubbies who they have a job yeah, just and, a this is, off and that's just what they you know they're going to come and give this enduro cross thing a crack and juniors whose parents are still paying for everything which obviously their parents are going to be pretty stoked if their kids bring home a check from the event but i thought that was a pretty clear indicator of where women's racing is unfortunately put on the scale of things. yeah i was gonna say that sort of shows like the mentality right yeah yeah so yeah so you know and like i said i was bitter about it for a while but that's not going to help anyone yeah it, i had I to think keep slogging like, it out and hope that it could help it change i i do think and that's why it's like i want to give you the opportunity to talk about it mm-hmm. um and i would like to bring it up because i know it's not something that you're just out like carrying on about but i think it like when you told me about it i was shocked like in you're a full-time athlete yeah and it's like i get the argument of guys sh- should get paid more based on what guy is like toby sells motorcycles right yeah, yeah. fair call mm-hmm. and it's like he if you were on a ktm and he was on a ktm toby price would sell more motorcycles than you yeah but toby price is toby price so let's think like i'm not racing dakar i'm not like sam yeah yeah okay so yeah. let's don't don't compare me to toby price compare me to like you know say De- like daniel milner milner or something yeah yeah, yeah. so daniel milner to me but i don't think i don't like he sells more bikes than me but not that many more. i was about so that's yeah. what i was about to say yeah. so and, and I, it's not i don't sell 10 percent of what milner sells yeah. yeah and that's what i was about to yeah. say i think that from a brand's perspective you've mm-hmm. got a massive jump from toby price to daniel milner Mm-hmm. So then, but he's not getting ten percent. Oh, maybe <laughs> he would. He would. He would be getting more than ten percent. Yeah, of he's what, not getting ten percent of what Toby's getting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but it's it. The thing is, like, I don't even know if I like that analogy yeah. for like what somebody is worth because I think that what you have to as a business, what you have to do, like, there's a direct ROI, like mm-hmm. return on investment. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you give this this guy a million bucks you would expect a million bucks in sale in return now that's bullshit in motorcycling ricky come like suzuki i don't know when they stopped paying ricky uh for his cha- uh, sorry dungy suzuki was paying dungy while he was at ktm so like they couldn't afford to pay dunge i'm confused <laughs> but like so all of his contingencies yeah, yeah. and stuff so they were like still paying off what he oh, had won yeah, yeah, yeah. while he was on another brand mm-hmm. so like it was millions and millions and yeah, millions so of dollars no, in cha- return there's yeah. no there's yeah. probably not that return in motorcycles yeah. so that that's where i think people have to shift their thinking and that's mm-hmm. where i think a top tier woman that is at the top of their field, I don't think you should hold that person to an apples to apples consideration of like, what yeah. is she going to sell in bikes? I think that there's a bigger brand picture that you've got to talk about. like what comes first, the chicken or the egg as mm. well, because how can girls really accomplish what boys are accomplishing if there's no support? But 
well, so like brands want to wait till there's you yeah, know, yeah. A full grids and we're absolutely shredding and then they will pay like so but someone has to come like well, someone has to come first who's responsible for building the industry yeah and so then like i said like i you know i keep saying like i, I do don't, too. I, don't I, like that. I, I do too this is me <laughs> off, trust me um so yamaha's a business not a charity so i, I don't expect them to but i freaking would have liked them too because someone has to make the call someone has to do it first and so surfing's equal pay tennis is equal pay i just saw um charlie she's fox she was a fox chick i met her on that fox ride camp that i went on oh, i remember the name fox ride camp she was a wakeboarder and so you mean charlie the 10 channel 10 chick no the- no she's a young chick she was still in school then a few years oh, ago okay. um and so she's sponsored by malibu and like is oh, killer. Yeah, like yeah, she, yeah. and she's she's still so young she'd only be like she'd be under 20 but yeah i saw on her insta um that you know, made history equal prize money today. So wakeboarding uh, yeah, equal okay. prize money. So yeah. you know, it's it's catching on. But I just hope that motorcycling isn't the last to yeah. ca- to do it as well. The thing like is, someone though, has to, well, you know, and like I said, it doesn't have to be equal. But yeah, not like spin on my face money. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, like the same. Yeah, as a, yeah, because yeah. there is an expectation from like I know Ray Howard. That dude wants to win. Mm-hmm. He and, wants to win yeah. with everybody. And so like, it's like Ray, yeah, Ray was fan- fantastic. Like he was. He was the dude that I was in contact with for the 10 years that Yamaha supported me. And, you know, I have him to thank for so much of what I did. Yeah, so, but but yeah. the thing is, though, is, like, he wants to win. Like, yeah. he gives bikes to people. He wants to win. He wants yeah. Jay Wilson to win. He wants uh, Dean Ferris to win when he's on Yamaha. He wants Luke Clout to win. So it's like you. there is an expectation that, like, if you're the top-tier person on Yamaha, mm-hmm. that whether you're a guy or a girl, you, you like, will be, like, in contention to win. But it's like you can't win at these sports without literally dedicating your lives to these sports. So it's like even – but Jats last year, Jats barely made minimum wage, Jackson Richardson, to race mm. for the factory Honda team. So it's like it, – it is yeah, like, like – Yeah, like I said, there's a gap it's in, a, in the dudes as well. And that world championships, like I spent a bit of time in Finland at dude's house, Petri Silvan, who's awesome. And if anyone's an enduro lover, yeah. they will know who Petri Silvan is. But – um. There was a Denny Philippartz who was an Italian guy and he was coming sixth in his class at the World Championships. And yeah, he was on nothing. Yeah. Because he was sixth. But if he was third, there would have been something there. Yeah. So it, it, there's there's always that gap. There's first, And even in Australia, first you guys get paid really good money. And then the rest And then is, there's a gap and then there's yeah. nothing. The, and you're the, doing it for the love of it then. The, what you said before though about is like this chicken or the egg thing. Mm-hmm. It's bad business to, to have that. Well, we'll hold out until they do good because... Yeah. It, like all right so i'm like all right i want to have a, the biggest podcast in australia but i'm not going to put any out until i have the biggest put <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. what you that's what you're saying yeah. in that ex, yeah. in that example and it's like i am not gonna i'm not gonna make that happen without investing in it yeah. and to invest in that takes time to invest in that makes takes money mm-hmm. and it's like that is what business is and i think that it is I think it is lazy business for people to ignore one whole section of a market or an or a, a group of people or a demographic because they're just not making that much money yeah, yet. Yeah. It's like the potential's there, like 130 30 girls, girls yeah. for a Conondale ride day, yeah. uh, like trail ride. Right. And it's like you have to have a bit of foresight and you have to, in business, you have to take risks. And it's like, I'm not saying pay every girl, but it's like when the top dog chick 
in yeah, sport, like, yeah, in, we, in this sport. We didn't get paid to go race six days. Like us Aussie girls won five international six-day enduro world championships in a row. And I, I know, didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, so myself, Taylor Jones and Jess Gardner, and then I didn't race Chile last year because I'd retired um, and Mackenzie Tricker took my spot and they won again. So Australian women are six-time world champions. And That's exactly, crazy. nobody knows. And so one year, like three of us girls were the Blue Crew team. Like, but we didn't get used in any sort of marketing, like you know. And we we won together for the, like, and that was like the fourth year in a row that was in Spain that year. Yeah. And it's just so this is a really good opportunity. Shout out to MX Store because the industry, our industry, can be really stale and yeah. inside the box thinking. And I have been working with MX Store for know, a bit over a year now, I guess. And from the moment we started working together, I was like, oh they my get it. God, somebody gets yeah. it, like. Yeah, and so working with them is just fantastic and they've helped me so much and they are the first company to, to pay me dollars. Yeah. And it makes me so happy and it makes me want to work so hard for them and do everything I can for them because they believe in me enough to actually give me money. <laughs> well, man, I hunt, like they sponsor the show mm-hmm. and I was going around and I was talking to different people and I was talking to people that have been in the industry forever, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd get these emails back and it would say the most ridiculous shit ever <laughs> and i'm like you don't get it you don't get it yeah. and then i was talking to to jeff and the boys there mm-hmm. and then i was like this is what i want to do we like to call him hef hef yeah, yeah he is kind hef. of the, yeah. Hef, right? yeah, kind of so yeah i'm hoping it. that that really sticks because i've been trying that for a year now uh, so. wait consider it stuck consider it stuck what's that yeah no, it's yeah. stuck <laughs> El jefe. um but you know like i talk to them and and that's the thing is like with the with the sponsors like we don't have a lot of sponsors on here but it's like they have to get it because like this thing that we're trying to do like it's a couple people in a room and it doesn't look like a lot but there's oh, like no, it's fantastic you should see the outside of this joint yeah oh yeah once you get outside whew. yeah but you know like it's th- so many people listen and it's like we're trying to have a really positive impact on on people and it's like just because it's not the inside front page of dirt action or whatever it's like doesn't mean it's not valid and it's not new and it's mm-hmm. like we can try things and you know i i want to work with those kinds of people and they they fully get it and like that's the thing that i said when i was having meetings with those guys as well and it was i left me i'm like cool they get yeah, it Yeah, you walk out with like a little hop in your step because yeah. yeah they get it so and that's the thing that you know and I've been through this shit with the filming. Like I was filming in 2007 when YouTube wasn't even really a thing. All my videos first went on Vimeo. Like that's how long I was doing it. And I was telling all these brands, you need to make videos to put them on Facebook. And if you put it on Vimeo, and they were like, nah, not having it. You know, and you just, it, you always in any industry, you get like that that group of people it's like we've done it this way for so long and we're not we're not changing (laughs) we know we know that it's right and i'd say like even with surfing like you you see it's so cyclical with like brands that are so established and you're like they will never fall real estate companies building companies like i got a friend that kills it in the melbourne real estate market because he's a little renegade and it's like that industry has been the same forever. Yeah. And it takes that person that wants to look outside the box mm-hmm. and think about it differently and go, you know what? We will, this is, you know, there's no proven track record for working with a girl like yourself and paying yeah. someone like you. Yeah, running campouts and trial rides and rad days, yeah. And you could shit on that in a million different <laughs> ways and it'd kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. 
But when you do it and it works and you have a little bit of that like blind faith. Yeah, and, and like I wasn't selling out in the beginning, you know, with the camp outs and things. But it's these things, you know, there's a bit of a snowball effect and they're starting to pick up pace and yeah, and it's freaking awesome. And, and MX store, like so Fox Women's Off-Road Camp Out. So Fox were the initial, like they started that and some cool brands like Unifilter, Force, Barkbuster, they have always been on board with it and they've always been on board with me, which is really cool. Um and now as it's yeah picking up a bit of steam and mx store's gone on board and because they're so good with their social media marketing it's crazy so having them on board is obviously fantastic and you know they go and shoot sick videos for every bloody range release every year and and why not because have that content it's a content rich world um yeah so working with them in that in that way has been like freaking awesome and yeah and just you know what having them i've always worked by myself me and my little office doing my little thing. So yeah. being, a, you know, in some aspect, obviously I'm not part of the MX or team, but I'm on the sidelines. So just to call them up and run some things by them or, hey, can you quickly proofread this for me? And, yeah, and yeah. you know, am I on the right track or whatever it might be? And it's not all the time, but just knowing that I've got them to call is, is really cool. And that's something that's really new for me as well. Yeah. Like having a bit of a, a team because it's always just been solo Gemma in a, used to be a shitty old transit van. Then I had to spoon my dirty bike on the way home. But um, now I have a big Mercedes and it's amazing. Van life, hashtag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so being, being a part of something bigger has been really cool. And um, with the, like, stepping outside the box and doing things a bit differently and how our industry is, like, so, like, stagnated. And, yeah. and everyone does it that way just because it's done that way. And then when someone does really well because they are a bit of a renegade and do it a little bit differently and then everyone's like up in arms like oh yeah oh, like oh, mx door's so huge because yeah, they, they're thinking about the customer and what the customer wants and they're doing a bloody good job of it so that's they're business this, they're like, like i think they're the single biggest like door in australia like retailer yeah. in, in in australia and it's like duh yeah well so i went look over at what to that and the sorry to cut you off no, the, right, like right. the range release thing mm-hmm. awesome i love i love the fact they just dropped their Alpine Stars one yesterday. Mick said it to me. Oh, did you see the Alpine Stars range release? It's sick. They've created a thing. And I like, I've been doing so much thinking about uh, just like the why behind even doing the podcast and like, what are we, what are we really trying to achieve here? And it's like, I think the big thing, like when I, when I really sat down and analyzed just the whole game of like what we've done, I've been in bikes my whole life. What's the stuff that stuck? Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that added to the culture. And I'm not sure if I've really talked about it on here that much, but you do something that's significant enough to add to the culture. A win doesn't add to the culture Mm -hmm. because another dude gets a chance to win the very next year. Mm -hmm. You look at something like Craig Dack Racing. That's added to the culture of Australian motorcycling. Jeff Ballard is a part of Australian motorcycling (laughs) culture. (laughs) Jeff Leask, he added to Uh the culture. There's, There's these people that come along and they're the ones that yeah, stand out. And you I don't, don't remember know. their wins. I, I was going to say, but you know them I don't know their, what, their personalities and their yeah, input and their character. Yeah, hundred uh-huh. percent. And I think that there's things that you can do that add to the culture of motorcycling. And your your female trail ride in ten years could be like what you just did a couple of weeks ago could be culturally significant for motorcycling in Australia. Mm-hmm. And because of that it's a thing that will have legs and will last there's so much flash in the pan shit or people that are like 
They've got this big uh, distribution warehouse. They've done the same thing forever. They're moving their product, same sort of blah, blah, blah. And then that's cool. They established that was, you know, they're almost grandfathered in. And then you get someone like MX Store that comes in and like, you know what they do? They add to the culture. They give people like you a platform to work. Uh They give Dylan Long a chance to show his style in the new Alpine Stars range release. And it's people that we know here in our Australian community. It's not just like, obviously everyone likes to see Roxanne ride dirt bike. Yeah, for sure. But it's not just Roxanne. Yeah, and it makes, that that stuff makes (laughs) me pumped. And I feel like, that's almost a little mini thing that's and that, happening. Like, and then it just it makes the whole industry keep going around because then the sponsor goes, oh, well, yeah, you're in that sick release that MX Store did and yep. you've got this many views. Yep. So then you're, you know, you get a bit more stuff and then it just, yeah, it goes around and around and around and around. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that like really when, that's why I sort of decided to do the motocross companion, supercross companion thing because like originally... I was like on my high horse a bit about it. I was like, I'll be in fuck box forever. I'm just going to interview all these cool people <laughs> and I'm done with this shit. And then I had like a bit of a like, that was just my ego talking. I was just like, yeah, just, that's a bit of a dickhead way to think about stuff. And then I really thought, I was like, no, the, the reason why I don't like the moto thing and the reason why I don't want to do that is because I'm not seeing the stuff that like gets me excited right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, am I going to be just a, a passive consumer of like this thing that i don't really enjoy that much or am i going to use the the resources that i've got to like add add to to the culture let's add to the culture let's i didn't like i would have probably never spoken to you otherwise and there's probably a lot of people that would have never heard of you otherwise Mm. and it's that to me is like a cool thing so it's like we're all just trying to move move it forward and progress and it's like you just like i said that trail ride could in 10 years be like this amazing thing that, that like, is like that, oh, i would love it that every chick goes i have a dirt bike i have to get to that husfana women's trail ride at some point a hundred percent yeah i got a road trip across from bloody wa actually hopefully there's a couple of girls road tripping from wa next year for it because i coached I, in wa the weekend after it and talked about it i was so, gonna say there probably yeah, will be yeah yeah and that's again like you come back to day in the dirt you come back to transmoto i don't know who won I don't even think they, like, I was up doing some commentary stuff at the Day in the Dirt. None of us knew who won. A like, guy I'm just on gonna a really s- muddy bike is riding past and he's were, getting followed by another guy on a really muddy bike. They were just putting the checkered flag out when the time was up. And then some, because I remember one race, some dude's like, I won? And I was like, sure, man. <laughs> sure you did. But again, it's like, it's like the tra- the six hours and whatever it's become like this cultural movement mm-hmm. and i think that that's why like you look at a race like fink it's so iconic yeah, it's a bucket list thing it's a cultural yeah. thing that it's yeah. like it's part of this this the fibers of our motocross yeah. community or you our off-road have those, community like you know 10 or 20 guys that you know want to win but every other person there is there to do it yeah like yeah and then having the inaugural like that there's a, a race that's chucked in a a women's class now so the last two years so my co-coach for all my events elise o'connor she was the first ever inaugural finks fastest female really which is super cool yeah that's um, that's crazy that that hasn't happened to yeah earlier. yeah i mean like you know like taylor jones was the fastest female a few years ago and i but think it was Meg like Rutledge, but it was unofficial yeah, yeah okay so elise was the first ever official one which is super cool it seems like a no-brainer to have yeah, a girl's yeah. class there making it happen you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> um but isn't it funny though like sorry. this is a conversation is like I'm very in 
I'm very ingrained in the motocross off-road, well, not off-road, but in yeah. the motorcycling community in Australia. Yeah. No idea there wasn't a chicks class, I think. Well, um, had our on the weekend. So had our desert race down yep. in Mildura. Um, looked I, uh, moist. It did look quite moist. <laughs> I watched, I think it was, it was either Jess Moore's or Emma Melissevic's Instagram page. But it's there to them two racing at Vola in prologue. Like, holy dooly. So if you're listening to this right now, they were sending <laughs> hunt, it. hunt that bit of footage down. Because chicks can ride like 100%. Like, just watch it because they are going for it proper. That's sick. Just hauling. I want to watch that now. Yeah, and then they both got top 40 um, in the mud on the on the Sunday because prologue was nice. The actual race was horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, just killed it, smoked it. So, go them. Yeah, it's it's definitely, um, yeah, it's, it's like an exciting time for that stuff. And, and I just, I think it's cool to sort of, I think in my head that whole cultural thing's clicked and that's mm. something that I've... And, I w- like, there's a real push at the moment for all women in everything getting involved. There's all these action groups, like Mick and I were just talking before about um, Motorcycling New South Wales having a real push. Um, Motorcycling Australia has just kicked off their Women's Commission again. I'm a part of that. That's and so cool. they haven't had one for quite a few years because um, Motorcycling Australia decided that women didn't need a voice, but they've just re-realised that they do. Uh, so it's myself, um, Tracy Simpson from WA. She's awesome. And then a couple other chicks from around um, Australia. And our whole... We're still trying to work out what we're really doing, obviously, because we're a volunteer group working yeah, on phone yeah. links and things. But obviously our goal is to just make it more accessible and promote women because, again, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, the media needs to get behind and push not just the girl that's winning, but every girl that's involved. Like the AORC videos, I've said it a million times. Yeah, I remember you said like, this the other day. They do not even put a second of a female in the in the wrap up for the end of the weekend and the final for the year. So like Jess Gardner wins the Australian off road championships last year. We're all sitting down in Omeo in this building having our presentation, and she's not in the video. Like everyone else is in the video and she's not in it and that just is a real kick in the pants and like there would be years that you know i'd won the aussies and they've got the flyer for the next year's australian off-road championship series with you know all the places that they're going and it's got the leader of all the classes or the guy that won the class the last year well i I won a class Mm. like do girls not race this event because i'm pretty sure they do and you know like there's a it's a contractor it's a just you know it's not ma that make those videos but ma pay those bills so ma need to be making sure that women are getting featured in those videos because the little girl that's sitting at home watching it is going to be like oh girls don't race that yeah like it's it's that simple it's so crazy like to it's so easy to overlook that but adam cincerello he didn't have a motocross family his dad knew nothing about motocross his dad and his granddad owned grocery stores that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And we've got Adam Cincerello now because he watched Supercross on TV and he saw a dude racing TV yeah, on, like, oh, on TV. Yeah, oh, he can do it, I can do it, yeah. But his, now we have, he's one of the best riders ever. Mm-hmm. One of the best amateurs ever. You get that kid from watching TV. So, you know, I, and I mean, until we'd spoke, I would really hadn't put that much thought into it. because, And I don't know, is that like ignorant on my behalf or is it you just <laughs> no, don't know look, what you don't know? That actually, I was thinking of this before. It's, it's you don't know what you don't know. And I, at the moment, the people that are making decisions in the motorcycle industry are quite often the races from 20 and 30 years ago that have, have moved up. They used to race and now they're in decision-making roles in different manufacturers or, you know, MA or whatever it might be. And 
just as, you know, my nan, who's the most caring, beautiful woman, would often drop a racist thing because that's how she grew up. And and you'd be like, nan, you can't say that. That's not right. But it was just... You don't know what you don't know. She didn't realise that it was wrong even. And so there's these guys sitting in offices making decisions that just think, girls don't really ride dirt bikes. Oh, they have a bit of a go, but they don't ride. Yeah. So what I'm really hoping is that at the bare minimum, by the time the guys that have raced with us girls are in those those decision-making roles that they can, they hopefully, because it's about half-half. Some of the guys really respect us. Some of the guys think like, you don't deserve a spot in the video because you're a girl. Then I hope it's those, the other half that are making the decisions and they go, Yeah. yeah, like, these girls can ride and they deserve to be treated like they can. But I guess to what I was... Like At the bare minimum, hopefully it happens before that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think it. I think it's on a definitely an accelerated path. But yeah. oh, like sort of what I was saying before with that whole like you see like Quicksilver and you see it's like those renegade companies. You know why those renegades pop up? Is because Quicksilver was run by dudes that were cool in the 60s and created the whole thing and then all of a sudden they got super rich and then they lived in gated communities <laughs> and then they hired people that didn't really know what they were doing and then they, they got the companies went public and then they the distance that they got from where they started, which was on the beach making board shorts, yeah, yeah. They, they, the spread's too far to cover now and you lose touch with what's actually happening. And I think that that's like all of the, like Quicksilver went bankrupt, like DC shoot, like all of these companies that were like those grandfathered in like action sports companies. It's like, that is a warning signal to anybody that wants to keep doing business that way. Mm-hmm. Guys that own MX store, they're our age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like my, like I was saying, my mate in Melbourne, that's a developer. He's just a couple years older than me, killing it, putting all of those old dudes out of business because the times have changed and if you don't adapt and if you don't listen to what's happening now and if you don't care enough to listen to the people like yourself like you've been all over the world you've raced all over the world you know what is going on Mm -hmm. you know there's girls out there that want to ride if there was no girls out there that wanted to ride i wouldn't have people showing up yeah Yeah. and you probably wouldn't even want to put the effort in in the first place you'd be like oh i'm just the weird chick that likes to ride yeah but like that's not how you feel and so a couple times in the last year i've had like I did a come and try with MX store out at QMP. So it was people that have never ridden before. MX store brought all their like, I've been used in a range mm. release gear out. So there was gear provided and bikes provided. And there was one lady come out and she was like 40 something. And she's like, yeah, I want to learn to ride. I was like, okay, cool. Like, like what, what's got you doing it? Oh yeah. I just, I always said I wanted to do it. And here I am. I That's like, crazy. Oh, your kids ride? No, no. Your husband ride? No, no. I've just always wanted to ride. Fan freaking tastic yeah like and that's happening more and more where it, like no one's got them into it they've gotten themselves into it because they want to and why shouldn't they be able to like oh for sure yeah and but you know 10 years ago even you just didn't see it as much and i like it quite often at the beginning of my fox women's off-road campouts because it's only 25 women so it's a it's capped at that so that everyone gets to know everyone and it's a real like small kind of vibe so on the friday night we all sit around and do the old Hi, my name's Gemma and I'm from Gympie. And I'm an alcoholic. I've, and I've been riding bikes <laughs> for this long and blah, blah, blah. And um, and it's really cool to hear because one of the questions I get them to um, answer is like, how long have you been riding for? And so often it's, I rode from like about six to 12. And now... And then when I was told I had to be a girl. Yeah, and now <laughs> I like, and I haven't ridden for, you know, 20, 30. Like we've had a 62-year-old at 
the Foxman's off road camp out. So 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, I like, I, I haven't ridden for that long. And now I'm, I, I got a bike again three years ago. So even five years ago, it would have been me and like five other chicks sitting in a paddock. But now it's me and 25 other chicks sitting in a paddock, which is which is super cool. And yeah, and like you said, I, I wouldn't have events if... Mm, if it was, there yeah. wasn't a demand. And so like kudos to everyone who got involved with the Husqvarna Women's Trail Ride for seeing that there's 130 potential customers that previously just aren't getting spoken to. And now like they can. So yeah, like everyone who got involved because it was freaking cool so and the club as well like green park is sought after they can only have 12 events there a year Mm. so every event they give to someone else they don't make money from so obviously like i had to pay a fee for using the property but they did me mates rates because we had no idea whether i was going to get 10 girls or 130 girls um so next year bigger and better and i'm sure it won't be mates rates i'll have to give them some more money but um yeah like go them they saw and it's a club with blokes yeah and they were like no we want we want girls to be a part of our club and i think too my husband and i got talking about it if you think of like the the people making the decisions and even just the the clubs and you know running trial rides and whatever it might be there's not a lot of women in those roles there's not like women officials so um i just did a women's leaders in sports conference in sydney for three days and it was 10 women from motorcycling australia and 10 women from rugby australia and so we got together and did three days on how to you know be leaders which was awesome actually and i forgot what i was saying what, like trying to get more women involved in yeah, the in okay. the clubs themselves yeah yeah it's, so, it's all just guys yeah, yeah, right? so officials that's right so officials I, I there was a lot of i was a real only rider there was me and um one other girl from tasmania that were riders and everyone else were mainly working in official roles and a few of them wrote as well of course but i hadn't really thought about it from that perspective that you need women's officials you need because they are making then decisions that are going to affect everyone and it needs to be inclusive and diverse and and the thing is and again it's like you just don't like if you're a guy it's like you don't know what a girl needs if there's no one around that 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 writes on my instagram like oh it's just weird that you have women's only events i don't get it and i was like you know like thanks for your input but we're not saying that men are bad and it's yeah. we're just creating an environment it's that women like want to be a part of but then a, a female got on on and said i've done one of Gemma's events i've ridden for years i ride with blokes all the time and i'm not going to stop riding with blokes but i cannot tell you what it was like to be a part of that female only environment and it's something that i cannot wait for to do again next year mm. and i was like yeah see there's there's someone who's come and experienced it and so it doesn't matter what old mate says. I can't let that affect me. I, I need just, to listen to what she says. I just like, I can't get, and like me and Mick have, we'll like see comments on YouTube and stuff. And Mick will be like, how's that guy? And I'm, I, I feel sorry for people that can see such a negative in a situation that everyone else is seeing good shit in. Yeah. That, that to me, I think that's like the, that's but the bigger problem. do you think that they would say it to your face or it's just because they've got a keyboard oh, no, and a no. screen? No, <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Yeah, but I've, I mean, it's I've just, had a few keyboard worries at me lately and I'm, I'm learning to be more resilient about it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Like it, your natural instinct, like, you know, it's a survival instinct to pay attention to the negative yeah. more than the positive because positive, fine and dandy, but negative yeah. stuff can get you. Yeah. But I just, I, I feel genuinely sorry for people that can see as like there's some stuff that i'll see on youtube where i'm like how could you like get that from this yeah like you've got to be in a super negative like Bad weird place. yeah like you've <laughs> got to be in a 
a bad place to even see like and there's some stuff where i'm like i guess like i guess i can see what you're talking about but like at the same time what the fuck did you think of that like that's just weird and i get it too like every husband of every wife that was there was like oh like why can't we come oh like of course of course i wanted to come and have a fun weekend but they can go next weekend and have a fun weekend because guys don't need a special weekend to load up their bikes and go riding and that's what i've been hearing for the last five years with the camp out i'll have like have a coaching you know for us guys and i do i run the open coaching which is guys as well um but yeah the the end of the day guys don't need a special weekend to load up and go riding because that's what guys do and hopefully that's what girls will do soon as well but that's just not happening just yet yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think it's awesome. I, I'm, uh, I'm fully on board, and definitely, um, just when we met up a couple of weeks ago, it, it, it definitely like opened my eyes up to just, it's, it's just, I guess it's like, I would have shared, not shared the thoughts, but like, I'm one of those guys that just like never really thought about it. I never had to, but like yeah. at the same time, like, I grew up racing with this chick, Janella Vecchio. And she was, she, me and her like legit battled. Like she was yeah. one of the best chicks in Australia, motocross juniors. So like, I, then, the, I here, like it's, it's running around the back of my head. Have, like, you've heard of her before? Yeah. yeah she was really good. Yeah. And like, so I don't know. I always just, maybe I just never really thought that much about it. Cause I was around girls that, that did race. But I mean, I'm sure there's clubs where like there was no girls, but I literally, every race i raced i knew i had to like deal with her because she was yeah. super fast <laughs> but i don't know like but i think yeah when it comes to that professional level like i'm just not in the um yeah like you don't know what you don't know i didn't know the level of which yeah. um but the, you know there's definitely stuff where like because the ama had like uh a few years where like there was girls on factory teams and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i mean i i definitely i don't know why that went away because it was good racing um but i can definitely see it from like a tv standpoint where at motocross it's yeah, like it's a four they, they spread it's, out it's, so much yeah. and, and i completely understand that from like oh yeah from a spectator a professional, point of view yeah and you've got only yeah the, the there is racing there but quite often yeah the girls kind of just spread out and it's not as interesting to watch necessarily but again it's that it chicken and the egg thing yeah, yeah. yeah so like courtney duncan new zealand chick she's one of the best people i've ever seen ride a bike the first time i saw her ride i was freaking out (laughs) man and then what was the other new zealand chick kira catherine prom before catherine prom yeah she's gnarly she's so gnarly dude like yeah yeah, she was full on and then like you know obviously leia sands like i raced her for five years at the world enduro championships and she won every time i beat her in three tests in a row in spain once though which is obviously the coolest thing yeah, um, even Toby said she's, like, <laughs> legit, legit Yeah, fast. like, she just um, had a crack at Erzberg and, like, didn't make it to the end, but she got, like, 39th or something. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and she wants to go back and try and make it next year. And, you know, if, if anyone can make it to the end, it's her. And then there's Sandra Gomez. So, Alfredo Gomez, the Hussberg Extreme Riders' younger sister. Sorry, Hussberg, Husvana's. Um, Husseberg, what's yeah, that? That was years ago. Um, extreme riding. Showing your age. Yeah. <laughs> His little sister, Sandra Gomez, like she is phenomenal as well. And like the stuff, she races like all the West series, like the Hispaxia that just happened, Erzberg, like Romaniacs. And like there are some chicks doing some cool shit. I wonder why the, like Ashley Firelek was, she should have been a superstar. So I, I think I, it must have just been like a little video or something on YouTube. I remember seeing something quite a few years ago 
about how it just got to a point where she was just costing her dad a fortune. So she wasn't and getting paid. No, and she wasn't getting paid. And you know, she was on end, factory Honda. And at the end of the day, it's just a race and she had to make a decision. And the decision she made was to not do it anymore. Yeah, like, see that that yeah. to me, like I feel I feel like, and again, it kind of comes back to that conversation. It's like someone's got to step step up because it's like the market's there, and it feels like it's on the edge mm-hmm. of like really. And like, so Taylor Jones, she ended up working with Waratah Lawn Care, which is a landscaping mob. I'm pretty sure I got the name right. Um, in Sydney. And they supported her fantastically and it really got her to that next level because she had the funding. But that like they're not from the industry, obviously. They landscape mm. and Jeff was just a mad dude who helped her out and that's super cool and like but it needs to be more than that one off random p- company that helps yeah, like that yeah. one off random chick. But, you know, she's over at GNCC's now and I wrote it because I used to write a column for ADB, but when I stopped writing they didn't want my column anymore. And maybe they thought it would just be shameless self-promotion of my events from yeah, then on. But yeah. I really think I could have kept writing it. So, ADB, get me back. Hook it um, up. Yeah. Life of instead. <laughs> yeah, come on then. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I wrote a column about, you know, us women and getting paid or whatever it was. And that Taylor's got herself over there and, like, she's got this wicked mechanic, Stewie Baylor. So, his sons, the Baylor boys, like, race GNCCs and stuff. And he's awesome. She's got this wicked mechanic. She's living this proper, like hell of a more factory life than any of us girls will ever live over here at the ALRCs and I was like getting paid and so I sent her like the screen capture of it and I was like can I write this so you, like is this actually what's happening and she's like yeah it is actually what's happening that's so cool so go Taylor but she got some support from the random you know lawn care company to get at that point so yeah. he, like that was the chicken or the egg depending on whether you believe the chicken or the egg came first yeah, yeah. And, and got her there but there needs to be more than just that I think too like and it <clears throat> it's not just um in women's racing it's in guys as well but there's definitely there's definitely like well i know especially in guys there's a level of entitlement of like well i'm fast so you should give me everything for free yeah but you've got to do more than win like you said you've got to add something yeah Yeah. and i think that and, and i think that that's where like all the tools are there man like jackson richardson is the perfect example that dude edits videos on his phone called jats mix and he's like famous for it <laughs> you know and it, he backs it up he's won two supercross championships yeah, yeah. he's one of the best riders in australia but it's like he's carved out his own thing and it's like if someone goes you know like we're, we're helping him do like some sponsorship stuff and it's like you talk to people and they're like fuck yeah like we're in on the jats mix and there was a lot of like he pretty much like lost rides because of like the way he acted you know but he was like he had this fun like uh, over the top personality on social media and he made these videos and like, and then all the old heads that like we were talking like they're like because oh, yeah. they just thought he was fucking around but it's like he was living at our house the dude wouldn't eat a lolly or you know like he was so strict every day was like all these smoothies get up to the gym doing all his rehab for his injuries his whole life revolved around being Getting good yeah. but then he was completely exhausted every day when he come home from training and instead of just like doing dumb shit or chasing girls around he'd edit these things on his phone and that was the one thing that people saw because that's what he put on his social media and then he got judged off it but it's like he would he like i would say jats added to the culture like if you ask anyone that's in motocross or follows motocross and supercross in australia you know what a jats mix is yeah and it's like 
that is like you're adding it like there's value in that if you can look at it from that perspective the other guy's dylan long do you yeah. follow dylan long on instagram oh i don't but i see lots of his stuff from him yeah. i guess yeah like, so i know a bit about him yeah that dude is like the Aussie Axel Hodges, you know? So he's like... <laughs> I out. do love some Axel Hodges. Yeah, so. well, like, like he's doing that sort of stuff. Like yeah. he's doing that and he's got his own... Uh, and if you're racing as well, because like, yeah, if you're doing that cool shit and then you're racing and you're backing it up with like wins and cool results, then cool. And he's like, does some coaching and stuff too, does Dylan? Yeah, I yeah, think so, yeah. Yeah, like, so that's, yeah. But it's like that to me is like, so then like MX stores all over dylan they love him why because he does like cool shit and he gets people excited Mm -hmm. because like when i'm looking at like i'll rarely watch like a race highlight of like a dude you know kurt gibbs or whatever it's like yeah hitting a berm doing a whip all the (laughs) all the respect to it like you're a badass if you go and do it but like what really will make me sit there and being like i want to get some personality in yeah them. yeah and the new wave too is like i was talking about um this with someone they're like oh what's like next and i'm like it's here we follow people mm-hmm. the whole instagram like click follow there's people like there's a guy that i listen to his podcast um adam 22 and he's a white dude that interviews rappers and like that's what i don't really care about the rappers but i like follow him and it's like that dude's like just super interesting to me and i think that that's sort of the same stuff that's happening with like like jats or dylan long even like mx store like i watch all there like they make cool shit so it's like i think like so people whether it's guys or girls it's like you can get those cool companies like you were saying with that that um what was the name again that's got the uh company that sponsored a one-off company random oh yeah yeah um Taylor Jones, yeah. Moritar Lawn Care. Yeah, so yeah. like, you know, they obviously see like the value in like what she does. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you want to bring those people into the sport, you gotta, you've got to provide them with something that you can, like what are you offering them? There's, there's just too much entitlement of like because I'm fast, because I'm winning, I should get everything. Yeah. It's just not the case these days. No, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I, I think as well though, sometimes it can take away from it a bit because someone's might be mid-pack and not putting in all the effort but they've you know a bit of a show pony so then they they're getting some stuff but usually like maybe that doesn't necessarily last or everyone's got their knickers in a knot and they're probably not getting as much as they say they are anyway yeah that's yeah. true too, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, like it needs to be a balance but well. yeah i just think like we're but living per- in but a personality and you don't have to yeah. fake a personality it just has to be your yourself personality. yeah yeah that's what i used to always say to like ferris dean ferris for a long time it was just him hitting a berm, him hitting, like, doing a whip. And I was like, dude, we get that. You're out of motorbike sick. You need yeah. to start showing people who you are because yeah. you're a cool person. And now, like, he does his dad life stuff and, like, cool. Like, that's who you are. Show people who you are because we can look at a photo of you hitting a sick berm. Yeah, it's, all, it's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's right. And, like, and what was cool, like, Harry just said before, he goes, I'd rather be uh, myself and real and a builder than fake just to ride a bike Mm -hmm. and i just thought that was super cool because like he's got a lot of like you you know you're like oh yeah i just think he's loose because he gets shit for that sort of stuff i I don't know him and i just think oh he's loose that guy yeah but that's like that's him he's just a million miles an hour and he's just like full on but uh he's like i'm i'm not gonna change just to have this cushy job and i think like but it's like i feel like he can he doesn't even have to say that for you to know that he's being himself mm-hmm. so even though you're like jesus he's loose 
but you can tell it's like well that's obviously he's just doing the damn thing you know yeah but yeah i think we're just you know people i think writers have to do their bit as much as the brands have to step up like everyone's got to sort of step up together and yeah work together like that was the biggest thing in my whole career i always felt like there was like you know some main companies that like we're, we're supposed to be in this together yeah like you're supposed to be promoting me and i'm supposed to be promoting you and i just feel like i'm pushing shit uphill yeah and that's that old this is how we do things and it's not going to change because it's the way we do things that needs to change and i'm finding like with husfana it's awesome yeah and i and they get it and they get that there are women that ride motorbikes and they want to support me to support them yeah and mx store 100 percent, they're on board to support me to support them because they're like um you know slogan or well not slogan but their ethos for their business is making riding safe and accessible yeah fancy that that's exactly what i'm all about too yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It just yeah and when something works it works and then we can both do our jobs really well because they get shit from me and i get shit from them and that's how it's supposed to work (laughs) yeah is there um are you glad or was there like a point where you just thought you'd be done and completely out of racing and you would have never got a chance to make the impact that you have like you never would see it get come around to like where it's at now because like you obviously was like didn't know oblivious i was just doing my thing riding super bitter over it wish that it was different stop being bitter started changing Stephen Gall actually I did some training with Stephen Gall for like six months and it totally changed the way I looked at the world really? at racing I rode differently I won another couple of Australian championships and world championships and it was all because of Stephen Gall because he, he is a coach in every sense of the word so I used to pick him up from Rabina and we'd drive out to QMP together ride for the day and then we'd drive home together as well so there was like a good you know couple hours of talking and yeah, riding yeah. and I don't even remember what he said, but it was, he just got me thinking about things so differently. And like, so I credit the last couple of years of my career to Stephen because I wouldn't have, like I would have quit. I was about ready to quit. That's crazy. years ago. And so maybe if I had have left like bitter and feeling, cause you know, cause it, when I was going I've through I've seen that, that shit, like, man. Like, yeah, do I, I know quit? so many dudes that quit. They're yeah. like when I was filming nationals and they got nothing to do with it. And they're like, fuck and I'd, you don't like, one be day, like I'd be like, I'm going to quit. And the next day I'd be like, no, no, who am I without riding dirt bikes? You know, like, oh, no, but I don't want to do this anymore. But what else have I got in my life? Like I had a law degree and a fiance and a home and a family. And well, not like, not children, but like obviously a family. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but yeah, like I'm known, I'm the motorbike chick. Like who am I if I'm not the motorbike chick? And then I awesomely got like Stephen helped me out a bit and we did some stuff and then I I changed everything and I went for two more years or three more years or whatever it was and then when I quit I knew that I I knew that I'd done it like I knew that I'd done everything I wanted to do in the industry and it was the right decision and then I still worried for a little bit because I had committed still obviously to the end of last year to a couple more Fox Women's off-road campouts and the Fox Women's ride day and I thought oh but do I even like bikes anymore? Mm. And then about a week... Because without racing, yeah. like, is that... Yeah. yeah. And then about a week later, I went and rode and then I just rode and I rode and I rode and I did Day in the Dirt and Dust Tussles and my events and rode and rode and rode and rode and then I flew down to Omeo for the last round of the AORCs and because I was... Actually, something we haven't talked about, I actually did lose the plot when I quit racing even though it was my decision to quit and I felt like I'd achieved everything and... You know, I had other shit going on. Like, I've got a law degree and a teaching degree. So, I had a career outside the industry. That's insane. I had the um, Fox Women's Off-Road Camp Outs and stuff. So, I had, like, a building career within the industry still. 
but I was like hives every day. Really? Like just my poor husband. I was a nut job for the first couple of months that we were married. Far <laughs> like, out. Um, and I, I never really told anyone about that, but holy shit, you should have seen the hives. So what do you I reckon? It, like you were just I, having like anxiety about like yeah. the like an identity crisis. And almost. I'm not. And I'm not good at like dealing with stuff that's bad because I'm a very happy person. And so instead of dealing with it, I was like, I'm fine. It's all fine. I'm totally fine. So I ended up going to a sports psychologist. And yeah, she, not with like a tick. Like Yeah, and she's like, are those hives are <laughs> uh, your body going like you're not fine. So I just had to actually deal with what was going on within me. Really? And then I so you were, hives. So you were like, like suppressing it to yeah. the point. So and you'd have so you'd have like internal dialogue about and, and like, I'm fine, and I'm then fine. you'd shut it down. Like <laughs> yeah. you'd actively, damn, that's like some crazy willpower. Yeah, and then just like, like scratching my skin off, lumpy, really horrible, and then it turned into exercise induced too. So the only thing I still had was going for a run, like rollerblading. I rollerbladed at Burley. Tell me you don't rollerblade. I I am a mad keen rollerblader. You still rollerblade? <laughs> yes. So I went. All right. A- well, that was uh, the Gypsy Tales podcast with uh, Jim Wilson. We've had fun <laughs> up until this exact point of the interview. No. Okay. I'm going to use some rollerblades. You're going to come with me. Fuck all that. I'm not doing that shit. Oh, uh, just it's so much fun. You can cover so much ground and you just. Like, you're like, like blading, like four like in a blade, row. Blade, four, four in a row. Not skates. Oh. No, they're sick. They're sick. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, I, I thought they were illegal. I didn't think they still have them. They don't really sell them in Australia. So my husband and yeah, I yeah, no shit. Had, <laughs> no. You know, the only ones I could find were they look like Hot Wheels ones, and they were red with flames on them. So we had matching ones for a few years, and then in Andorra, um, in Europe, because they're still big in Europe. Well, they probably have like already caught on because Europe's in front of us when it comes to rollerblades. Um, I got a pair in Andorra, wow. and they're sick. So don't <laughs> judge me for for my rollerblades. They're really fun. We uh. When, when I was in the US with the film company, we were like, we had some shoot and we were like, man, we need to get like a, like a cool, smooth shot, but it's like, un, like unlevel ground or whatever. So like, cause we, we had, well, we had a skate ramp at our house. Yeah. So we were like, we'll just skateboard and we couldn't do it. So then we like went down to Dick's Sporting Goods and we bought some rollerblades and my business partner, Jay was like. He's like, you're going to wear these out. I was like, I'm not fucking wearing that. And we like full out this Mexican standoff in the shop of like which size shoe to get. And I was like, I'm out, bro. I don't care if we get this shot out. Like I'm done. And uh, and then he ended up doing it. And oh my God, it was like watching a baby giraffe be born. Eh? It, was the, it was the funniest thing ever. But yeah, so no, no rollerblades for me. You know, it's funny. One of my best friends actually was like a sick rollerblader back in the day. Like he was solid, but yeah, I just thought that would go on. Oh, I can't, I can't like do drop-ins at skate parks or anything. I, I just, I can't. So you're not an extreme rider. I actually have to run into things to pull up. Don't you just like drag your foot at the back? Well, that's how you do it. It's not how I do it because I just run into things. Do you just go? (laughs) No, I just run into things. Oh, really? Yeah. Why don't you do the drag thing? I'm just not good at it. Have you ever ice skated? Oh, like a couple times. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty sick. Yeah. You like ice skating, you like rollerblading. No, but see, Anyways. ice skating's got a bit of danger, you know uh, what I mean? It's like a sharp blade, it's like hard ice, I don't know. Uh, that rollerblade I had down here at Burley and then a mate was like, oh, I'll meet you for coffee. So we, I rollerbladed I'll back. I'll see you there. Yeah, I rollerbladed back <laughs> and he films me as I come rollerblading towards like Connor's Cafe and him and a mate are sitting there and I'm like, and then I was like, oh, too fast. And just went past him and I run into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Come back and sit down. But 
So yeah, even that gave me like mad hives in the end. I think nice you, I think you just had hives from rollerblading. I'm just, I'm just you were like so <laughs> getting off the rollerblade topic here because you give me too much <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Fuck rollerblades. Yeah, that's a blast from the past. Next, next nah, time you know, I rollerblade, I'm gonna tag Gypsy Tales in it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. You know, you know what? I can't talk shit because when Mighty Ducks came out, remember when Mighty Ducks came out? Mighty Ducks came out, and I was like, Mum, I'm gonna be a professional ice. Do you skater. know who likes rollerblading? <laughs> who? Pete Anderson from MX Store. Does he really? Yep. Oh, I can't talk shit then. Yep. So there you go. Maybe there's like a secret <laughs> underground rollerblading like cult of like, yeah, like a full secret society. No, I, I said to mum, I was like, mum, I need to tell you something. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a professional ice hockey player and I need to go to the sports store right now and I need to get a hockey stick. And I need to get a hockey puck and I need some rollerblades. And I fucked up our roll at all. <laughs> like <laughs> heavy. I put a washing basket on like on its side and I made like a goal. And me and my brother, I we, we used to just play like ice hockey in cans mm-hmm. in the middle of summer. And like I've just thought it was the coolest shit. And that lasted for like lasted for a hot minute because that was my fave. <laughs> that was the most gangster movie ever when I was a kid. So anyway, rollerblades aren't that aren't that bad, I guess. I yeah, can't. I can't. I can't hate. I can't talk shit. I'd be I'd be being disingenuous if I said <laughs> I'd never rollerbladed. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, getting back to serious shit. So um, you did have like a, a bit of a full identity yeah, crisis. Yeah, a, a meltdown. So and so, what got you through that? Um, it was a mixture of rollerblading and yeah, nah, <laughs> having an awesome husband, a really good dad who was like. Because I was just ignoring it, so I didn't tell anyone about it as well. And so I, in the end, was like, oh, Dad, like, look at this shit all over me two times a day. Um, so it would just, like, come up. It would up just come up. And, and the only one, antihistamine to get rid of it, because it would yeah. just be like... And... Which I hate taking things that aren't, like... You know, I grew up on an organic farm. I'm a bit of a hippie-dippy when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I was like... I and then though. it was doing my head in with that. And then I'd be like, why the fuck are you stressed? Like, your life's really good. So it would make me more stressed and I'd get more hives. Um, so dad was like, you spend money on on everything. You need to spend money on your health. Just pay for a sports psychologist. Because I was all like being stingy with my money. Um, and I went... So I saw a sports psychologist. I saw a naturopath who she was actually ended up being a bit of a psychologist as well. But in a really like holistic holistic way. way whereas the sports psychologist was really clinical um so between them two the gross goopy herby stuff that the naturopath got me onto. do you reckon that shit worked i think it was a part of it yeah yeah um and then just staying active and healthy yeah try and just you know what nothing changed from when i was in full meltdown crisis mode to when I was happy about life again. Nothing changed except the way I was it's looking at things. It's your internal It was dialogue. my mindset yeah. name. So I just had to... And you know what? It was actually... Um, the psychologist had a name for it, of course, but it was like a transition disorder or something. She, I wasn't even that. It was something Oh, man, that, a lot of athletes go through that yeah, stuff. Eh? It's and, pretty heavy. And she's like, it, it's just time, but you've got to try and maintain your health in, Through throughout that time, that yeah. time period. Um, so I, I was fine. I come out the other, other end of it fine, but... It just got me thinking, like, if I was someone who was in the prime of my career and and got got pushed out of my sport, holy do I can see why drugs and alcohol and things become a problem for some people because that would be gnarly because it was gnarly and I chose it. Um, and there, that was like an actual 
intersection to something else I was talking about too, that whole hives thing, but I forgot what that was. We were going somewhere else before I That's the beautiful thing about these podcasts. Horrible, horrible three month experience or so. It's um it's a real thing though, like it Oh, bikes. Yeah. So then I was like, Am I gonna like bikes? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then I flew down to Omeo, um, because I was actually thought that if I went to the final AORC because I, I just left mid-season kind of thing. And I thought maybe if I went down and MA... Got a bit of closure. You know, had a bit, we had a bit of a chat on the podium and rah, 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 at the final night. You know, had a, one last hurrah, had a drink with all the boys because, you know, presentation nights are always a good good time. I thought it might kind of close that chapter. But maybe that was a piece Part of, of the puzzle. Yeah. But it, it didn't have much to do with it in the end. But, um, yeah, up on the stage... Cohen, the dude that used to do the media for MA, uh, was like, yeah, well, I follow you on socials and since you quit, you haven't got off a motorbike. Yes, exactly. It turns out as soon as I stopped racing, I loved motorbikes again. The last sort of 18 months of my racing career, I only rode on race day. Like, yeah, really? I, I, like I was over it. And then as soon as I quit racing, I love bikes again. And I rode 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 and I ride so much now too. And I just go for fun rides and... And which I just I'd stopped doing. I hadn't done for years. So, so I do. I love bikes. I just totally love bikes. And I was just over racing, but I will never be over bikes because bikes are awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a really cool full circle to go from how bad it was in that that period. But like, are you glad you sort of went through that though? Like, did you learn Not a lot really. about? <laughs> you surely you learnt a lot about yourself though. Well, in it that was period. the first time in my life I'd ever been sad. Like that's, I, I've, that's lived, crazy. I've lived a blessed life where nothing's ever been a problem, and I've, you know, I've had good support, and I've, I've just always been happy, and so that was also probably part of the problem because I was like, I'm this sad person now, and you know, mm. and I just, I'd never, I'd never experienced anything like it, and I guess now that you have, it's like, all right, another tick, another notch in the belt of experience and life experience, and you know, they all make who you are. Even when you were like. Were there just like dim times in Europe, like weather was shitty and? But like I was in Europe, like I was racing world championships, you know. Even so when you I hurt myself and stuff, I never like I spent three months in a wheelchair with two broken ankles. My first year of racing world championships, and How I was like, do that? Trials back, crashed, trials back, jumped off really? of like a causeway and landed, and my toes were on the peak, so they got bent uh, up towards my shins, and mm-hmm. both my tailor strengths exploded. But um, yeah, even that, I was like, all right, an opportunity to read some books and do hill sprints in my wheelchair and like yeah i've always just looked on the bright side and that was the first time in my life i didn't so what do you reckon it was the like why do you think you could bounce through all that other stuff and then something that was your choice was the hardest thing to because stay positive it would 100 percent. the only answer i could possibly give would be that i raced motorbikes for my whole adult life and now i didn't that's and even though i didn't want to it was still that's what I did. That's who I was. That's how I, like right from school, you know, like in high school, it was all oh, the curly haired motorbike rider. Like it was always who I was. And now I wasn't a motorbike racer anymore. Yeah. But turns out there's this whole other world of motorbike riding that isn't racing and it's really fun. Yeah. So, and, and like, I just had to relearn that and re-see that. Cause obviously I knew it when I first started, cause you know, I started riding when I was 12 or whatever. I didn't start racing until I was like really like 16 so there was four years of fun times there where and i'd forgot that that existed yeah and now i've remembered that's so cool i i I like i love hearing stuff like that 
where you know you you had to earn that love for something you know what i mean like you had to really rationalize it you had to go through some shit to like get to that point where like okay yeah i love this shit yeah i think too yeah i don't don't know i'm just not like i just wasn't good at dealing with it and then like some other things were happening in other people's lives around me that were gnarly you know like cancers and people losing people and and I was like, like that shit is the shit that you get yeah, hives you from. Be, yeah. Not that my life is fantastic and I'm getting these hives. So I was really beating myself up about it. And I just had to kind of, I don't know, I just had to let it run its course. Yeah, your brains can be... Uh, but, you know, I said I got like, it become exercise induced. So yeah. I'd go for a bit of a run or a pushy ride. Like I went pushy riding in Yapoon with my mate Elise and like had to bail halfway through because... Like, I was just covered. It was horrible. I went home and had a Fenergan and passed out for five hours. How good's Fenergan? <laughs> oh, man. I remember my pa- my mum used to give that to my sister when we'd go up the Cape <laughs> when she was, like, in the car crying and shit. See ya! <laughs> um, and... They were the bomb. It's probably, like, the only time I took them. Someone else gave me my... I used to, like, I would take non-drowsy ones, but yeah. I had this one random one. Um, I've I've lost my train of thought again. Exercise and juice. Exercise. Sorry, I keep but taking yeah, you out of it. But I never ever got them riding. So I was still coaching and riding in that time and stuff and I'd be standing out in but a were hot you th- paddock. But were you thinking about it when you were riding? I don't... You were probably thinking about the shit that was stressing you out. In your poon, I wasn't. Like when I was pushback riding because long story short it was your poon enduro cross and we'd had a good night and yeah. I'd only slept for a couple of hours and then decided to do this pushy ride with Elise she was coaching she was the lead rider for this group of women to come and try day and it's the first time i'd ever used cleats and i was probably you still were concentrating drunk, so hard and i was cleats. in cleats yeah. and i just ate shit all day oh. and then got covered in hives and went home <laughs> good day solid day <laughs> oh it's that your brain's a crazy thing because like you were saying you got all this like there's negative shit around you that's like really serious stuff but mm. you know like in your you know your problems are still like your brain can be this place where you can escape in your imagination. It can be like the most wondrous place ever, or it can be this tiny little black box. <laughs> yeah. And it's, oh. <laughs> it's very, very hard to learn when that, when it does turn into a little black box, it, it's so hard to, for that then, or for you to even see another way for that then to become that beautiful, bright, wondrous place again. And I think that uh, it's one thing that I say all the time because, I mean, I've definitely had some dark times, like especially living over in the States by myself, being completely broke, like I've talked about a bunch on here, and uh, you go into like a very deep, dark black box and then you're like, well, that's me now. I don't know. how How do you get from here to happy and you know filled with like adventure and wonder and imagination and all creativity it's like how how do you get back to that but then i think that it's so valuable in life to get put into that box and then get out of it yeah and then every time yeah and every time (laughs) that you start seeing that thing creep in and i mean maybe it was just the fact that it you'd gone 30 years without being in that black box and it wasn't just me that was going through it either obviously like my husband and i'd been together since i was 17 so like my whole career he was there and for the first part of it it was my thing and he did his own thing and then from like 2013 to when I quit it, it sort of become our thing and like in Europe it was he was my team like he was mm. everything like I couldn't have done it without him so he had kind of put his life on hold in a way 
because he was my help. And then all of a sudden I was like, I don't race anymore. I don't need your help. Like, mm. I'm, you know, you have a business. I'm starting a business. You do you and I'll do me for a while. And so John was also coming to terms with his life being really different. And so he, you know, three times a year could jump on a plane and come to Europe. Not a holiday because world championships, stressful. He is the most amazing human dealing with, you know, me stressed out. Obviously, if he got stressed out or showed me that he was stressed out, it would only make me more stressed out. So he was so good at just icing it over and bottling it all up and then at the end of the weekend being like, oh, so tell me, I'll tell you what happened to me on the weekend. Like, he was just amazing. Um, Every time we'd come home from Europe, we'd have more grey hair. But in a way, he didn't have to put too much focus on him because he was so focused on me. Mm. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, well, now it's time to focus on you. What do you want to do? And there's like no excuses if you can't figure it out. Yeah, so we, it wasn't just like, you know, we were the team and the couple and, you know, just got married as well. And all of a sudden our lives had completely changed. Yeah. And we were both going through it. So that was, that was pretty tough as well. And so... Was it hard to figure that out? Because, like, in theory, you'd be like, oh, this will just be easier. Well, you know what? I didn't even... I was like, why is he being a fucking idiot, you know? And he was probably like, why is he being a fucking bitch? But now with hindsight, it's like, oh, shit, he was going through something too, you know? And he would be like, oh, well, of course she... Like, well, he knew I was going through something. And he's like, he's the smartest guy. He knows what I'm thinking and feeling before I'm thinking and feeling it. Like, he's... Emotional intelligence. He's up here. I'm down on the floor somewhere. Um, Well, that's because you've got one gear and it's happy. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, as as we went through it and then the hardest part was then probably we weren't super getting along as well and we always get along. And then we worked it out and then it all worked out and and it all worked out and it's fantastic. And, of course, now we're even stronger again for it because it's another thing that we've gone through together. So. Yeah, welcome to married life. Sorry, John. <laughs> there you go. Everyone in like AOSEs would be like, poor John. Oh, it's that's just, you funny. know, really just become a catchphrase. Poor John. Oh, here we go. Bloody Gemma and John. <laughs> poor bloke, that one. <laughs> that, um, it's definitely got to be a pretty special experience, though, to like do that much racing with. Yeah. your partner like yeah. there's not many people that get to say that they yeah, do like that much stuff together cruising around Europe and like for the last couple of years he had like my second hand bike in Europe so spare bike so he was a follow rider oh, so he'd sick. be hooning around meeting me at all the tests because by then we'd made enough friends that I could send fuel out with someone to that checkpoint and you know food out to that one and whatever so then he was free to kind of roam around and and he would, be, you know, walk through the pits and he'd be like, ah, ciao, and have some coffees with the Italians and then, you know, bonjour and hang out with the French people. And, like, he ended up... Because he can make friends with anyone too, John. So, yeah. yeah and he, I want to have a beer with John Yeah, now. he's cool. <laughs> I and John. I want to have a beer with John. <laughs> and, uh, like, I finished... Uh, I was World Championships in... I can picture the town. I'm going to say it was in France. Yeah, it was in France. And I finished racing and we just had our little Renault van like it was like tetris packed in there and we borrowed a quick shade and a tire changer and off we went and so we're sitting there and it was just a park bench that we were using as our like area to hang out at um and this english guy just brings over a teapot and so john had made friends with him during the day while i was out <laughs> racing and he told old mate that i really love tea so this fella brought me over a teapot of fresh tea from england and I'm like, oh sick that's how you want to finish your day of championships racing so yeah like john had a real experience as well and like he cops it all the time from friends and family 
about him putting everything on hold for me and rah, 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 rah. Again, it's that shit you can't buy though. Yeah, but and, and, and he chose it and, you know, like he had paid for his own flights to get over there every time because I didn't have that much cash in the bank. But once we were there, like I, you know, paid for things, but he paid the mortgage, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's experiences that we had together and, yeah, that money couldn't buy and, like, he had a he had a really cool time as well. Oh, like, I'm sorry if you yeah. said, like, he was like, I would not change that. Yeah. And um, so, like, Steve Holcomb is won four World yep. Enduro Championships. So, I'm bringing him over in January for some coaching. So, oh, sick. he's going to do two one-day courses out at... Where's he from? QMP. He's English. English, yeah. Yeah. And then two one-day courses down at Nara Motoplex. Um, so, first and second weekend of January. It's been nice and warm for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and that's Steve. We hung out in Finland with him at that Petri Silvan guy's house. And we just ride bikes in the morning and eat frozen yogurt in the afternoon and <laughs> do yoga. And, like, you know, we were the three amigos and we just had the best time. So, now we get to bring him over and hang out with him. And that is he's cool. bringing his fiance. And so, like, yeah, things like that and people like that that... Yeah, he had up. those experiences as well and because it, it wasn't just riding like it was a lot of riding but even riding like you know john would be on the stopwatch doing our test times and like he was a part of it as well so and it was cool and i think a bit in australia sometimes the aussie boys can be like oh you're a dude and you don't ride bikes and i want to be friends with you mm. whereas when we're in europe everyone was like yeah australia and like come and be friends so I, I i know that he really enjoyed europe and he you know he had a fun time in australia but he definitely enjoyed europe <laughs> europe is a s- amazing place for like so many reasons every chance i get to go to europe i'm like done yeah. see you there <laughs> this one time we um we're in France setting up a bike. So this awesome dude, Fred, he was the importer for TM in France. Oh, yeah. Um, we just made friends because he saw I was having a rough time with this Greek team I started World Championships with. And he... So we were setting up a bike at his place and it was my birthday. And so we, we got as much done as we could in the morning and then we loaded the van and we pinned it to Spain. And I sent... A inst- <laughs> I love that. Pinned it to Spain. <laughs> and That's I, the most Aussie thing ever. <laughs> Loaded up the van and we pinned it to Spain. <laughs> and I sent an Instagram message to Ivan Cervantes, who's won five world championships and he's this gorgeous Spanish man. And I was like, dog, we're going to be in your area. Do you know anywhere to ride? And he's like, oh, let's come to my house. We're like, okay. So we, we rock up to... You rock up like... The beachfront. Yeah, John was like that too, though. <laughs> we rock up to the beachfront in Cambrils in Spain, and his house is this like massive mansion. And we drive down like Iron Man's lair driveway and park underneath. And he's got a bike from every year he's ever raced in this glass room. That's and crazy. His bathroom downstairs because he's KDM rider the last heap of years of his career. He had like orange tiles, orange towels, he even had orange toilet paper. <laughs> And so we had dinner and I was like, yeah, it's my birthday. And his wife was like, oh, I'm so sorry. This is all I've served you. Like, it's your birthday. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I'm in Samantha's house. Yeah. <laughs> Do eaten. I want a better birthday? And then We've eaten at servos every other day. <laughs> yeah. And then we went riding in the morning and like, he, yeah, spent all this time like sort of coaching me and helping me out. And like we, we left from his Ironman's lair driveway rode down to the beachfront, rode along the beach, like in the middle of the city and then cruised up like this dry riverbed and ended up at like one of his compounds where his dad and John had already rocked up and watered the track for us and stuff. That's so sick. Like it had the best time. And then 
we were supposed to pack up and head off that afternoon because it was his birthday that day. So mine's first of May, his is the second second. Oh, of May. how rad's that? And so we're sitting up on these rocks getting this photo, um, and he goes, "Oh, do you like paella?" I'm like, "Yeah, I love paella." He's like, "Yeah, I'll stay for my birthday then, like stay again tonight." That's like the rice, eh? Yeah, the yeah, big yeah, rice yeah, yeah. dish. And I was like, "Yeah, okay, sick." So I didn't tell John though. I sort of forgot to tell John. So we rode back and we've had showers and we're standing upstairs and all his family starts rocking up. John's like, we have to go get What are we doing here? And I'm like, no, we're invited to stay. So we ended up having this massive big like family lunch. John got maggot on champagne. (laughs) (laughs) And then he lent us his pushies and we rode along like the beachfront and stuff. And then got up next morning, went riding again, had another sick day at like his other compound. And then it was his niece's birthday that day. I know, right? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) So, but he, they had to go out for dinner. Um, So he's like, Here's the keys. When you close the gate behind you, just put it in the mailbox. My wife's made you lunch. The house is yours. Do what you want. That's so and, cool. And I'll see you down in Spain. Like, because we were driving to the bottom of like Jerez for um, the World Championships. He's like, I want to take my gear bag for me. Um, so he didn't have to take it on the plane. And then I'm down there with an English mate. And she's gone through his bag and put his put his undies on her head. And I was like, <laughs> great. Now he's going to think I've been like smelling I want to see this guy. <laughs> have you got a photo of this guy, me? <laughs> Show me a photo of this sexy Spanish bed. What time's the origin start? Are we, uh, oi, it's 8.30. Holy shit. Holy shit, all right. Gemma Wilson, we're going to wrap it up. (laughs) All right, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, hey, I really, really, really enjoyed having you on. I really appreciate you coming I really liked being here. Yeah, you had fun? Yeah, absolutely. Was this your first, like, proper big podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, other Um, than a few radio interviews, so... Awesome. Cool. No, you. I'm really, really stoked. Uh, I will be... Uh, are you doing six hour? Yes, I am. With all that, Remember, I stacked the ladies team because I'm going to win. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, I've got Elise and um, Zoe who works at MPE. So we've got a cool girls team. Yeah, year, awesome. Because John doesn't want to do it again. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty gnarly <laughs> last year. Well, I want to have a beer with John if he's going to be He'll there. He'll be there, absolutely. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, any, yes, give the sponsors a quick shout out, even though we've covered a bunch of them. Um, yeah, so Fox... MX Store, Husqvarna, and MPE Suspension and Husqvarna are four awesome people that have supported me massively. But then I'm from Gympie, and so my local dentist, River Dental, Security Mob, Ultimate Protection Security, Gold City Steering, like they have backed me for years. So thank you so much to the Gympie community. Um, and yeah, four accessories, Barkbuster, um, Unifilter. It's another three Australian awesome companies that have been there with me from the beginning and have. As soon as I started supporting women, they supported me to support women as well. And Motorex is a new one. They jumped on board um, when Husqvarna did. Bunch of good dudes over there. So, yeah, thanks so much to Motorex. Shout out to Marksy. That's my boy. Okay. um, Aaron's my boy. (laughs) 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 Um, And, look, I'm sure that – oh, Stephen Gall and CDI Knee Braces. Um, I've been running – them since i was 16 and we're gonna do a Stephen gall podcast yeah that would be cool i'm excited yeah, for that yeah. he was a there's a i grew up with like a Stephen gall photo because like him and my dad used to race together yeah and there was like my dad's like skinny little weed dude and then <laughs> Stephen gall chiseled jacked <laughs> in like the middle and then another dude dad used to race with yeah, and still like always, the fittest dude I oh know. bro he's out of control <laughs> but yeah so i like grew yeah. up like Stephen gall he was like the man in our house so i'm excited to do that one yeah cool so but yeah thank you so much for coming on no, and uh, I'd love to do it again at some point yeah. maybe 12 months time do another catch up and uh, there's like so many world championship stories I want to hear like there's so much stuff that we could talk about so yeah. but I'm really glad we got out uh, some uh, just I guess some messaging about um, women in this sport yeah bike riding's for everyone because it's super fun yeah that's yeah, and I'm not against 
dudes. Nah, I'm she just, actually just... hates dudes. She uh, wishes that <laughs> none of them would ever ride and she wants to split 50-50, 50-50 of tracks in Australia for women. Yeah, and women men. only, men only. Uh, and women get all the good ones. Yeah, Bloody typical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, just creating a space for women. So, yeah, come on, girls, get involved. I'm all about it and I'll cool. support your women only rides. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Apes. That's so good. I'm so glad you come on.